and I would get like a, an email saying like, hey, it's missing the last page from Vince. And you're, you're like, holy shit, he's still up. Professional wrestling superstar, champion, entrepreneur, author, and show host. Feed you more interviews, more stories, more information, and more laughs than ever before. <laughs> Conversation with the big guy. Ryback starts now. Welcome to Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. I am the big guy Ryback, and this week I'm pretty excited. We got director, producer, Podcaster, writer, known for his movies Bigger, Stronger, Faster, Prescription Thugs, A Leaf of Faith, creator of Mind Bullet, Chris Bell. What's going on? How you doing, buddy? It's a pleasure to talk to you. You know, I've been a big wrestling fan my entire life. A lot of people uh, know that I've had a lot of experience in uh, with WWE. I started out uh, in 2004. I was a writer for WWE for about six months. Didn't last very long, but I got to see behind the scenes of uh, what goes on and everything like that. And the reason I got that job actually was through John Cena, yeah. who Mark and I had helped get into the business uh, early on in his career when he was first starting out. So it's a pleasure to get to talk to you because I love wrestling and I love what you guys do. And I love, you know, everything that you've brought to it as well. Thank you very much. I had no idea you were a writer. That is, yeah. you have been in I the wasn't a very good one. I, I wasn't a good one, obviously, because uh, I was fired pretty quick. But the thing is that um, there's a revolving door over there on the creative team. And yeah. the way I look at it is they had their favorite writers. They had a writer for Raw and a writer for SmackDown that were the, the lead writers. Actually, one of them works for Dwayne Johnson right now, uh, Brian Gewertz. Yep. Uh, um, you know, when I came in, I actually, I was like, Mark and I, for a while, were best friends with John Cena for a couple yeah. of years. We hung out with him every day. So when I go in and I'm the new guy and I'm good friends with John Cena and I'm also good friends with Dwayne from Gold's Gym, I don't think they liked it that much. So I got really? like I, I was the asshole from Hollywood that came out to write for WWE and kind of just got thrown under the bus every step that I took. So I don't look at it as a failure because as soon as I got fired, the very first thing I did is went home and started writing bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, I was you. so fucking mad. Yeah, yeah, I was so mad. I was so uh, upset at what happened. I mean, it, I cried when I got fired. I was, yeah. you know, 35 years old, but I cried. And, and you I love wrestling. Like, it's a tough thing. Yeah, Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon was my hero. I got to, you know, for me, what was a dream job. Yep. And then I got shit canned. And the best thing ever, I had the most respect at WWE for a guy named Kevin Dunn that most people won't even know, I know who Kevin he is. very well, yeah. But yeah, I know you know him because Kevin runs the whole show. I mean, like yeah. if, if it's not for Kevin Dunn, that show doesn't fly at all. Yep. And we were at WrestleMania the following year. So what was cool was I made bigger, stronger, faster. Actually, it wasn't the following year. It was a couple of years later, probably like four years later, um, that I finished bigger, stronger, faster because it took quite a while to actually make the movie. So when I finished it and it went to Sundance, the following WrestleMania, I guess it was 2009. It was in Houston. And... Um, WWE actually uh, gave me, you know, really good tickets and brought me out to Houston. And I hung out there and uh, Kevin Dunn came up to me at the bar and just said, hey, it looks like we fired the wrong guy. And to me, that was just like validation because yeah. I have so much respect for Kevin and everything that he's Very done tough job. For, the, for the business. And so uh, he's, you know, the main producer of WWE TV. So for him to say that to me, it's just like, 
that validated everything that you know I was doing and uh, kind of made me realize what I wasn't and what I wasn't was part of a machine and a cog, you know, yeah. a cog and a machine. And I think you realize the same thing. You're not part of something bigger. You are the big guy, you know? Yeah. No, what's, that's so crazy. You got to experience that. And I, I try to tell people this. It, it, it's really, when you love pro wrestling, because majority, pretty much anyone that gets into this and to have any success in it, you got to really love pro wrestling and then in i always said a lot of us we put a wwe on this pedestal and it's there's everyone has different experiences there on, on different levels and for me it, it's why it always hurt me certain things that happened because of how much i did love that place and how much i gave them of myself but i'm curious from a writer standpoint because those guys chris i feel for them as much as anybody because vince is a very unique individual and like he would leave those guys i know i don't know if you were were you at stanford as well at the yeah. headquarters, I'd always yeah. heard that he does because they would talk to me. That they would get there and they'd have to write, they write the show, rewrite the show, get rewrite the show. But he'd have them get have a meeting and he'd get them there and they'd have to wait there for hours and hours and hours after they already worked for Vince to come in at night for him to not even show up to them one two in the morning. Sometimes he'll stroll in, stroll in after working out, and these writers are just there all day just waiting. And they just like, did you experience any of that? A, a little bit of that, but see, like I didn't really know what was going on. So you're um, so new. Yeah, I was. I was new. So I just uh, when I went there, I actually expected to work around the clock. And then you know what was crazy is just like sending faxes to Vince McMahon's personal residence, like yep. a fax. You know, he wanted a fax of the script. He didn't want an email. He wanted you to fax it. And you would fax this thing through at midnight, and I would go like back to my hotel. And by the time I got done doing it, whatever, it'd be two in the morning. And I would get like a an email saying like, "Hey, it's missing the last page from Vince." And you're you're like, "Holy shit, he's still up! Like, does he ever sleep?" Really? And so, uh, I don't know what other people's experience were with Vince, like people waiting on him. My experience was he was always moving, and he was like a like I, I think he's not even human; he's like a robot or something. Yeah. Because I think he just like works around the clock. So I didn't have any bad experience with him. I actually had very very, very good experiences with Vince. Uh, I remember being in, um, getting in trouble. Uh, I got in trouble a lot because I was the one guy that always loved to talk to Vince. We'd always be talking about squatting and deadlifting. Yeah, and I've had some workout conversations. Yeah, he likes to talk. I had a lot guy. of workout conversations with him. What's kind of funny is I got him into a bunch of different like protein bars back in the day. Um, I, I, it was back when those detour bars were out, and I brought him yeah. some of those detour bars. Yep. And Steph, Stephanie would always roll her eyes at me, like, oh, God, these guys again. Yeah. Kiss ass or whatever like, it is, doesn't get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I wasn't really a kiss ass. I just, no. I just loved, I love Vince and I love training. That's what and guys so, do that um, lift weights. We migrate towards each other and you start sharing and talking and either you get it or you I, don't. I got hooked on, uh, I got Vince hooked on detour bars. <laughs> and then he, he would have like 30 detour bars like in his office, yep. you know, sitting there. And then, uh, is it was good because after I got fired, then Vitor got sued for like having fit, you know, they, they were literally like a Snickers bar. Yeah, I remember those around so, TV. I would sneak into Vince's where they did the meeting and go, he would always have detour bars lying yeah. in there. Someone smartened me up, so I would go in and, and go grab the detour bars and put them in my bag from the production meetings because they'd be all around in there. And he'd usually have like energy speed shots and these other things, and I'd go grab everything. Them. Yeah. Wow, what an incredible thing. I actually, with Vince, had a, a discussion one day, and we went in there. It was about, 
it was when towards the end he wanted me to lose the singlet and go to trunks because I'd came out on TV and I ripped my shirt off in the ring and I had athletic pants on and I guess he didn't realize the shape I was in <laughs> and yeah. under the singlet which if you're wearing those tight singlets sometimes it can you can't really tell how good your abs are or anything because it, it's just yeah. and uh, I didn't want to lose I didn't want to lose the singlet so I had to go in there and talk to him about it. And we got into working out, talking about working out, but he had this bag in there that I, this very nice shirt was like a Louis Vuitton or a nice like bag, man bag, man purse, I guess you can call it. And, and I always assumed he had important business documents and that carrying it around. It's all his supplements. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he opens yeah, it up. He's, he's like, look at this, like a little kid. And I was just he's like. He's a total meathead. Yeah, man. He, that's. We, we had some crazy conversations. He told me about like squatting 700. And then, you know, he knows I'm a power lifter. So he's like, I, I didn't go all the way down, but you know, I, I went like kind of all the way down and it's like, yeah, you went halfway Vince. I know. Yeah. No, <laughs> no way he went all the way. And I, but he's, he's a maniac in the gym and I, I still to yeah. this day, I remember his trainer, I would be at like during WrestleMania, the, I went to go see one of the guys, Wade Barrett, and he was on the same floor as Vince. And I go, I get up there, the, his trainer, he would, he would make the trainer wait out there for hours the trainer would just, he would just tell the trainer, like, come up at nine. Sometimes Vince wouldn't come out to like 11 or 12 out of his room. And the trainer, but he's getting paid. He doesn't, he's just sitting out there waiting. And I mean, the trainer were talking and he was just, just, he just goes, he's a maniac. He just goes, he just goes, he yeah. just, I always wondered when he sleeps. And if he does, he has to sleep, obviously. But there's just some people that don't require the, the six to eight hours, I think. That you know what's, uh, I think the most fascinating uh, conversation I ever had with Vince was actually um, it was 2004 and the W uh, the UFC was actually up for sale and I was trying to talk Vince. So Vince McMahon told me in the limo, he said, I think Brock Lesnar can kick any of those dudes ass. And I said, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? It's up for sale. You should buy it. Oh, wow. And we had a conversation. We had a conversation about it. I said, dude, they only want like four million dollars for it. And um, Stephanie kept like shushing me, like shut the fuck up, you know, don't don't. I'm don't just trying to picture like, this in the car. You talking to so, Vince, Stephanie. Sh sh so here's what happened. So then Vince, so Vince is like, that sounds yeah, it sounds like interesting, you know. And he's like, but people would think it's fake if I owned it. That would be the problem. Everybody would be like, ah, it's fake. He it's actually bullshit. said that. I go, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, you have a good point, but you're, but Shane could run it. You know, it's like why not? And so what I found really fascinating was. After I got fired, like three or four years later, they were actually after uh, they had Rick Bassman, who's the guy out in California that had him scouting for uh, MMA. Like they wanted to start their own MMA league. Yeah. They ended up not doing it. But I mean, they could have owned the UFC if they would have just listened to me. See, <laughs> see what happens right back for four million dollars at, at that. Or yeah, what? for four million dollars. And then they ended up selling it for what? Four billion dollars. Dana White, oh, but Dana White and those guys came and sold it for four billion. That's a little bit of a profit. So even the most yeah. successful people make mistakes and don't see things sometimes. That's uh, yeah, I, and it was right there hanging out. I mean, it was all over the news. Hey, the UFC is going under. They're they're looking for four million dollars. It's like, okay. <laughs> Did you ever get to work out with Vince at all, or no? Just talk to him. No, no, I didn't get to work out. I wish I got to work out with him. Just I've worked out in his gym at the Titan. Same Tower here. Yeah, great gym. Old school. Yeah, that's gym. always always kind of cool. But yeah, I just I, you know I love all that stuff. We grew up on it. I mean, if you look at bigger, stronger, faster, it yeah, starts out it. with Hulk Hogan and the Camel Clutch. You know, that's where it all started for us. It's where all this weightlifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding, whatever it is, it all started with wrestling. 
What are your thoughts on that? Now, because I always ask people, because like ratings are down now. From a talent standpoint, wrestlers are great talent-wise. Um, but for me, and, and this is, I have, because I'm, I'm glad with WWE, I'm glad there's the drug testing policy because it makes me special. Um, and, and I believe in health. And I believe, I believe with that stuff, it's a road that you, you will pay the price for eventually, especially in a competitive setting with stuff that's going on. But what are your thoughts from... Those guys in that era of guys uh, with Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man, these larger-than-life icons and personalities that clearly in, in steroids, it was a different thing back then, and it's, it's not as prevalent in wrestling today. What are your thoughts on today's wrestlers versus guys of the past on that and your thoughts on with the drugs in wrestling? I have an interesting thought on it, and it's probably from just being around Gold's Gym Venice and a lot of people. So... Right now, I'm making a movie about nutrition, right? Okay. And the people that I'm interviewing in the nutrition world are like scientists and doctors, and it's just kind of flat and boring. The people I interviewed for Bigger, Stronger, Faster were fucking awesome. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They were all over the board. Like, one guy lived in his, lived in his van, but he oh. loved to lift so much that he had to he had to go train. You know, you got power lifters with blood shooting out their nose. You have Greg Valentino shooting synthol into his arms and talking about that kind of stuff, and you're like... This, this is a crazy, fascinating world that I've never seen before. Yeah. I think that steroids kind of draw those people in. It draws in the crazies. It draws in the Absolutely. eccentric people. Yeah. So, like, look at Macho Man Randy Savage. He was such an awesome interviewer. Like, you know, it's such an awesome interview. Uh, such an awesome, uh, so awesome at his promos. Ultimate Warrior had crazy promos, but he had the body. Yeah. You know, the Hulkster had kind of both going for him. He was jacked, you know, at the time that, that was like, Oh my God, I've never seen anybody that big and tan. Yeah. He had the jacked and tan going. And, um, I, I don't know. I think, I think that steroids draw in those characters. Right. And now we have a class of kids <coughs> that are like more like athletes and coming from different worlds. Yeah. And it's not like, you don't got to be six, five, 300 pounds anymore. And I think also like people know that, and so it's attracting a different crowd. Yeah. And I think that's the problem, right? So now you have, um, look, if you're 6'5", 300 pounds, what are your options? The NFL, you know, the NBA, the whatever, you know, like there's, there's different options for different people, different yeah. sizes, right? But for the most part, they're going to, people are going to try to go where the, A, the excitement is. Mm -hmm. So if wrestling was like more popular now, maybe more people be going into it. Um, and they're also going to go where the money is. So the money's in these other sports and yeah. these other activities. It's a big difference. And, and also, like, we've just been seeing a lot of guys go the way of they just like what they're doing. And I'm, I'm actually happy to see that. You know, there's a lot of people. So I had kind of the job, not the, necessarily the job of, but one of the things I've done in my life is I've gotten a lot of people into the WWE. You know, I've helped a lot of people. Have you really? Start. Yeah, start their career. I used to work for um, UPW yep. in California, and we put like 31 people into the WWE, but I've put a couple people in um, myself. Like even recently, um, I just got this girl a tryout who won the CrossFit Games back a couple of years ago. You know, so we're they're, they're looking for certain athletes, and I'm still in touch. You still have with a connection with them as far as in helping out. I have a connection because I think it, it, my, my connections for uh, – the purposes of like helping people that we're friends with, you know, we yeah. know a lot of freaky, crazy people. And every once in a while, somebody's like, Hey, I'd like to try WWE and be like, okay, here's the guy. Let me set it up for you. And, and those kind of things. So I enjoy helping people. 
uh, get into these things. But lately, the people that have been trying to get into things, they're happy with what they're doing. So like guys like Hafthor Bjornsson, who's the world's strongest man, or Brian Shaw, who's a four-time world's strongest man, they're six foot eight, 450 pounds. You couldn't find better people no. to be in wrestling. But they don't want to do it. They're ha- they would rather be the world's strongest man. They're like, yeah. what I do is what I do is like the real deal. It's legit. Whatever. Do you so think whatever- too with them those guys? And I don't because I don't know their situation on that. Do you think too they see and because I don't know what kind of money WWE would offer them. I just know it doesn't. The money is not nowhere what people think it is as far as compared to other sports or things as good as it can be. Still with that, do you think they look at and they see the wellness program because there is no way around it. Do you think that turns a lot of people away from that, that where they go, ah, no thanks? I, I don't think so because if you look at guys like Brian or Thor, yeah. um, if they're taking stuff now, they like they, you know, they're still going to be both, monsters. They're both 450 yeah. pounds. So it's like, okay, they got off stuff, and what do they go down to 400? Yeah. It's like, who cares? They're still going to be. Nobody, nobody's going to care. They're still going to be bigger, stronger. Yeah. You know. So I, I don't. I don't think that that's the main. The main thing. Yeah. I think that is the main thing for some people. Like, there's some dudes that are really into their into their bodies, but they're different than you are. Yeah. They're not like so. See, like you went on steroids for four years. Yeah. Got off of them, and you maintained all this muscle mass. Yeah. That's not what happens to most people. No. Most people get off. Well, I didn't take a lot down. either. That's what I always tell people. I go, that's how you know. I said, my body's been consistent the the entire, because it's. I was always very health conscious. I didn't want to do it, but I thought I had to, to make it in that world. Yeah. And that's the thing is like people shrink down to like nothing. Yeah. And when they shrink down to nothing, you're a little suspicious. You're like, oh, you mean, you know, so I think some of those guys that are more like that would be, would uh, sort of run from the wellness program. But I don't, I don't think that's the problem i think the problem is like wrestling hasn't been that exciting lately yeah. you know it ha- hasn't it's changed been that good. a lot and now there's this new uh aew league coming in yep and rather than be like i think they're going the wrong way with it and it's sort of like the way that the um, it's sort of way that the left and the right goes with uh politics and i'm not really uh political but when you start shoving things down people's throats like wwe's telling people don't comment on their shows don't talk about their shows the more they do that, the more they look shitty, yeah. you know, the more they like if they welcome that and they're like, yeah, sure. comment on it. Talk about it. And they may believe like they didn't care. It actually makes AEW insignificant. Yeah. But when they're coming out like and they're trying to like uh, acknowledge you know, it know, in any way possible. Yeah. But they're acknowledging in the wrong way. We're like, we're they're, they're basically saying we're scared of this. We're yeah. really scared. They're trying and to I, hold it I down, which is going to make people push back even harder. It makes me, you know, I've never watched AEW yet, uh, admittedly, but it makes me want to start watching it. You know, like, honestly, I'm like, oh, maybe I should watch that because they keep talking about how awesome it is. Maybe I should watch it. Well, they're going to have a very interesting situation on their hands. And I know what you're talking about because I I talk about this when I do the wrestling report every week. I I want them to succeed more than anything in the world. Um, But they have have some names that have gone there, a handful of, of guys like Jericho, Cody, John Moxley, who was Dean Ambrose in WWE. And then the rest of the roster are independent talents that don't have any TV exposure yet. And we again, the size situation, and they're they're saying the focus is going to be the bell-to-bell, the in-ring match. Well, WWE, I think, has great bell-to-bell action still, wrestling-wise with, with the top talents and whatnot. So, Mike, they're about to have TV starting this fall. My thing is it's going to be once these ratings start coming in, because I think casual people like wrestlers with personalities and larger than life care and i think that's why the numbers have gone down casually over time to what they are now 
and they're going, but I said, I go, I respect that they're trying it because you, you never know until I guess you do try it all the way. And, but my thing is once these ratings start coming in, if the ratings aren't great with TNT, they're going to start getting some, some feedback from TNT cause they're going to want ratings. And that's where yeah. I want to see, I want to see what the ratings are. And then I want to see how they adjust to it. And if they try to balance it out a little better because I think they have some great ideas and I, I, I love a lot of the things they're doing. But it, it's you need a balance in everything that you do in life, so it, it will be definitely interested. And they're they're going. That's again, the wrestlers of today are not what they don't look nearly as is like they used to. And I'm okay with that from a health standpoint. But it you still need. I feel like the, the guys that are monsters, the Bobby Lashleys, the Rybacks, the Braun Strowmans, you have to treat them ultra special because yeah. they're a rare breed, and, and they know, don't always do that. You're right about that. I mean, like look at. Look at in the WWE, they've always had a big guy, right? Yeah. They've always had somebody like for a while it was you. For yeah. before that it was Batista. After you, it's been Braun Strowman, right? Yeah. They always have like they always got like one guy like that, right? Yeah. But um, I feel like um, I don't know. I just I I find it so interesting. I feel like without the big guys there, for me, there's there's not much interest. Like I I don't have. I, I do like watching some of the lighter guys wrestle and flip around and yeah. do all that crazy stuff. But when you're kind of just in the middle and you're a tweener, I'm just not that into it. You Does know? it get repetitive you to, to you, have... Chris, watching that? Because that, to I, me, I was always drawn in by the stories and personalities. The moves were just moves to kind of progress everything else. Whereas now with AEW, they're treating it like a sport more so. It's all it's all personality. Yeah. like it's all It's all like when I can come into the gym and I can quote somebody, you know. That's when I know that, that, you know, especially like even uh, I remember being at the Staples Center. I was 40. I was like 40 years old, like probably 40. You know, and I remember the glass broke and Stone Cold came out. Yeah. And I jumped out of my seat. I, yep. So I had worked at WWE. I had met Stone Cold before a couple times. I, I didn't know him like I know him now. And now we're pretty good friends. Great but um, I had met him a couple times. But I was 40 years old, and I jumped out of my seat like a little kid, yep. and I was so excited when he came out. And that that's because of his personality. Yeah, That's because he's a badass, yep. you know? And it's like, I just, I don't know what it was. It was you believe in me, him. Because I was like, I, I'm like, I'm a 40-year-old grown man. Why am I popping up out of my seat? But yeah. it was just, it was exciting, you know? And so I think that kind of says a lot about these personalities and who these people are. The emotion. That's what I've always said with pro wrestling. You need to feel that emotion. And it doesn't matter if you're a kid or a grown-up, if you connect with somebody. And that's why theme music, too, is really important with that person. Everything kind of connects for to have, be that, that megastar. But when you can pop out of your seat like that, I remember going to shows when I was younger, and him, Triple H, when Triple H's music would hit, I man, I would get pumped up. I'd want to go work out. Go, I wanted to get in that ring, and I, I had never even done it yet. And it's But they elicited that emotion, and that's, to me, what is sometimes missing a little bit today, is as good as things can be. That you, you just want, like, I think that's why part of us, we, everyone wants Stone Cold to come back and have one more match. It's not necessarily, I think, that they want to see him in the ring. And you want to feel that emotion again that he would bring out. And you wanted that experience again where when the Rocks music would hit. And it was uh, it was just a different level. It's great because uh, in wrestling, the entrances can take like two or three minutes. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I'd actually like to ask you, like, what does that feel like coming out and have all those people going crazy? It's the most unbelievable feeling in the world. And it's the one thing I really, really miss. I'll sometimes, man, and this is just being honest, if I'm in my gym working out and uh, I got my, my speakers out there, I'll hit my theme music just to kind of feel it 
and again, and like I literally go into like a, I don't want to say I black out, but I literally will go into like a, a, a scene in my head, whether it's a new scene that I'm picturing, just like literally I'll get goosebumps every time. And I was just like, I'm going to fucking get healthy and feel this again somehow, some way. Cause it's like, that's the one thing that drives you can't explain it to people. You have to feel it. Like, I always loved being in Gorilla. I would dump. I got this from, I saw Stone Cold dump cold water over himself before he went yeah. out once. And I started doing that when I came back as Ryback because I would dump bottles of cold water. Sometimes I'd dump five or six bottles, depending how amped up I was, because it would just, like, chill me out. But it would, like, it would just calm my nerves in a way. But it would, like, to me, that was my trigger to focus. And then that theme music would hit. And man, I've come out in some situations where I've been blessed and fortunate enough to be able to come out in some pretty cool scenarios and feel some badass energy. And man, it is, there's nothing like it in the world. I wish everybody could feel it and experience it once because you, I've gotten lightheaded, Chris, being in the ring, being so amped up. I'm like, holy shit, don't pass out. Just keep your calm because I'm so fucking fired up. But I had a conversation, a really deep conversation with Scott Hall. Yeah. At, um, I love we it. My favorite Sundance, is a kid. Actually, yeah, we were at Sundance, and it was Mad Dog's favorite, my older brother who passed away. Yeah. And um, we had a conversation, and he just said to me, he's like, I know how your brother felt because every day I feel like nobody's there for me. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, dude, I had 20,000 people screaming my name every day. And when the lights go off and the music's off, he's like, you got fucking nothing. Yeah. He's like, no, like nobody cares. And I'm like, yeah, but you must have people that care in your life. He's like, they care because of who I am, you know? And then you just realize that, like, this is pretty deep. Like, this is pretty bad. And, like, yeah. that's why, unfortunately, those, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the guys are lonely and have, and have issues with yeah. dependence and, and other things. And, like, I mean, dude, like, the heart-to-heart I had with Scott Hall was a conversation I'll always remember because, like, that just – it helped me so much realize what my brother had gone through yeah. and what he'd been through because – I know Scott's still feeling that every day and he still has times when, when he screws up. And, um, but you know, I, it's just like, I, I have so much like love and respect for that guy yeah, because of, like same. everything he's, he's been through, you know, it's, it, it's crazy. Cause I think a lot of people don't, they don't think about like, Oh, what happens to the wrestler when, when he's off camera yeah. and it's basically the movie, the wrestler, that's yep, basically what it is. It is. That, that movie was so realistic, you know? And that's for me, Chris, one of the reasons why I wanted to start podcasting because I had this lonely feeling I, and I experienced hate and being in those hotel rooms is a very lonely life living on the road on that and whatnot. But I felt a disconnect um, because everyone I've met in my life likes me or the feedback is always good. But there's, there was this online thing where people hated me. And be, but they didn't know me <laughs> and they were taking some wrestling stuff or things they've heard. And so for me, that's why today with social media and podcasting is so important to get to know their, your real personality and open up yourself to people. But Scott, man, he's such a great guy, but people don't understand that what these guys back in that, his generation too, there was no social media. There was no, there was no way to connect with fans outside of at the arenas or, you know what I mean? And meet and greets. So it's a very yeah. lonely, lonely, lonely uh, existence. You know, um, you, you're on the road like pretty much like, what is it, 200 and something days a year, right? Yeah. It's and how, five, at least for me when I was there, it was five days a week. And so, how do you deal with, how do you deal with all that? I mean, it's like, do you have any, like, 
were you, did you have a girlfriend? Were you married at the time? I did towards, like I had a girlfriend for three years, uh, but that was, and that was off and on a little bit, but I didn't for the longest time. And it was really hard. And she actually didn't like it uh, that I was gone the way that it was. And it was, she wasn't the right one, but it was the people that do have families. And you see it a lot with wrestling, the guys that they get divorced or they, I've talked to other people because you you pick up, I talked to Ken Shamrock last week about this, about that life on the road. You start picking up bad habits, whether it's alcohol, um, drugs, and and not the drugs, not so much now in wrestling because of the drug testing, but in marijuana, that was something and they fine for that, but it's legal pretty much now in more and more places. But guys start becoming dependent. Like for me, it would be having a couple drinks and chewing tobacco. That was kind of, that mellowed me out. And I haven't done tobacco in forever, but I somehow in that environment, because you get stressed and you need something. And the tobacco, I had such an addiction to that because it was always there for me, no matter what. And lonely in the hotel room, you put a dip in and just, you just chill out and, or have a couple drinks. Like Kurt Angle always used to say four beers and a dip. And he was, he was, he was smooth. And that was what I found three, four beers and a dip. And it would mellow me out and calm me down and you'd go to sleep and you go into the next day and you, but you form some guys and you start sleeping with more women because you're, but it's just, you get lonely and you got to fill that void and you hear the same things with guys over and over and over. And then what happens is like, you know, I walked away and left and I just dealt with a million different things at once. But some guys, I had that choice to walk away. Some guys get fired and then. When they're fired, they're dealing with that right there, that they're not wanted anymore from their dream job, and they have all these problems. And it's just, it leads yeah. to, it's a very... And they're not getting life. paid anymore. No, yeah, and, and so. they're paying for their injuries. Like my back, I've told you when I was on your show, I had, I've paid for all my stem cell procedures. And it's, yeah. they're all from there. And it's, it is what it is. But And I've been, been good with everything. But it is, uh, it's definitely a tough life. And I, I, I want to bring that into actually, because... You actually sent me your your Mind Bullet um, supplement. And oh, yeah. It is, I, I want to say thank you, first of all, but I wanted to tell you my story with Kratom, actually, from wrestling, because as you know, pro wrestlers, we're always, we're kind of looking. I remember the guy started buzzing about this Kratom stuff years ago when I was there. Yeah. And I won't say any names, but I remember the we, the powder was going around, and guys were saying, oh, you got to try this powder. This powder is amazing. But guys were taking it to kind of try to get messed up a little bit on it. It's the wrong way to take it, yeah. 100% the wrong way to take it. But that's for wrestlers just tying into this, that you're looking for something in the hotel rooms to kind of chill out or to relax and whatnot. And we'd heard, though, this stuff is, it's not bad for you. But there was, we didn't, nobody knew anything about it, essentially. So I remember my first experience was taking like a bunch of powder and mixing it and it was disgusting and drinking it. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. yeah. And it was, in, but it was, in, I did have a pleasant experience on it, but I just realized I was already at the point I go, uh, I did it for a few weeks. I go, that's not really, I'm not going to, I don't want to get caught up in this. I'm, I've got every too much going on up here. And, but a lot of the guys were continuously doing it. And then you came along and you were talking about this mind bullet and I hadn't taken it since. And man, I got, I took it. I started, I didn't take it when you sent it in initially because I had my brain feed supplement they just sent that were getting ready for my supplement line. And so yeah. I've been take, trying that out and I didn't realize it was the Kratom for whatever reason. I'm thinking it was another brain, just full blown, like, like, like uh, alpha brain type thing. And then I yeah. looked at it and I go, oh shit, that's right. I forgot he told me that. Man, because I get anxiety a little bit with everything I got going on. It helps yeah. me tremendously with that, taking two caps. I think, of the- um, 
So I think anxiety is the number one um, thing that people seem to like it for. You know, I have a lot of pain. I have arthritis pain, but I do get a lot of people that have anxiety and uh, also like PTSD or some sort of depression. And I know and I'm very well aware those aren't the same things. Um, But with those kind of issues, it seems to have been helping a lot of people. And it's like one of those things like marijuana helps with a lot of things like why can't Kratom? You know, these are plants that have a lot of active ingredients and called alkaloids. Yep. So when you take a supp- a dietary supplement, it may only be like one alkaloid of one plant, right? However, Kratom, it's a full spectrum plant. It's just a ground up tea leaf. It's got a, like 43 different alkaloids. So when I first took it and when I first heard about it, when somebody says it's good for pain, but it's also good for anxiety, depression, PTSD, and all these other things, I was like, that's just bullshit. There's yeah. no way that that could be true. We, we hear it, it so often with things, but yeah. And, you, and we hear it with CBD, right? And yep. we hear it with like a, a million other things. But then when you actually look into it, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, CBD did help me with my depression. It did yep. help me with anxiety. It did, you know, um, I, I haven't personally found CBD to be helpful with pain. And that's why I went so hard towards the Kratom, because I think CBD can help you with the inflammation. But the real, the pain factor, I feel like, uh, you know, it comes from our brain. It's our, it signals to our brain and Kratom helps to block those. So one thing I, I need to definitely say about it and to people is that um, I don't like the idea of people taking it to like replace something. Yeah. I don't like the idea of people taking it to get off of drugs. However, we do, we have seen people use it for that. Yeah. We have seen, you know, people, uh, you know, get off things as strong as heroin with it. And that's what the, the science shows. But uh, obviously, like we, I would never promote it for that. We we can't promote it like that. Understood. Uh, the way that I like to talk about it is just in a sense of like, hey, this is something that'll just make you feel a little bit better. Yeah, it'll just make the day a little bit brighter. And I think for most people, like that's enough. Like I think, um, just taking taking a little bit of it, like you know, take just like uh, for me, you know, I have arthritis so bad that I when I get out of bed, it's hard to get up and, and go to the walk to the bathroom. Where do you have but arthritis, by the way? Just everywhere. Every really? joint. Hip, hips, knees, ankles. Elbows, I got it in my shoulder. Shoulders. No cartilage left, which that's why they're doing the stem cells over in Columbia here when I go over, which I'm praying is finally the fix. But what do you, serving-wise, what do you typically take with the Mind Bullet? So I take a lot more than um, than most people take. Yeah. I take about eight capsules in the okay. morning, but that's but that's it. Yeah. I just take I take it once a day, and then I'm done for the like. I don't I don't try like I'm not trying to take it like you said to get high or get yeah. like that. It's just I've sort of I actually worked up to a tolerance. This is kind of crazy because I've been doing kratom for about three years. Yeah, and I started out with a tolerance of like six. So now I'm up to eight pills. I don't think that that's that crazy. It's like no, it's, it's only about four. It's about four or five grams of kratom. Yeah. Um, and that seems to be like the same dose as like if it was creatine. Creatine, you'd take five grams. Yep. Like it's about the same same size dose. So I just look at it like that. And I, you know, I take it once a day. I've been taking it for three years. And after I've been taking it for about two and a half years, my brother Mark and I decided that we would sell it under the name Mind Bullet. The reason why we called it Mind Bullet is because it's got such a bad stigma where everybody's, you know, taking it for uh, to replace opioids. Yeah. And do all these other things. I'm like, no, no, let's just market it for, let's just go after, let's just bring it to normal people for improving their cognitive function. Because I think that's a way it can help way more people. And we've just seen it uh, sort of explode with uh, how it's been helping people and the science just keeps getting better behind it. 
Uh, Dr. Chris McCurdy out of the University of Florida has been, you know, researching this for like 13 years. And if I thought for one minute that it was, um, you know, uh, something to be concerned about as far as being addictive or being crazy, I would never push it on people or tell people about it. I think the one people, one thing people should know is if they are taking a high dose, if they are taking, but but a high dose would be like double what I'm taking. That's what right? I was going to ask. What a high dose is is of it? You you could develop dependence. On okay, it. is it more um, of the eight some, to ten gram people, range? I I can't really give a, okay, like a yeah. number necessarily because I can't put a number on it because I don't I don't know, you know different people are going to be yeah hit, you obviously by, yeah. But ba- basically yes what you're saying a pretty freaking high dose, dose yeah and you and you take that every day right but if you did that with weed if I gave you a hundred milligrams of marijuana every day you would get a you would be used to it yeah. so what happens is you're not necessarily addicted to it but you're habituated to it. And you're going to go back to it yeah. because you like the way it feels. Everything becomes habit-forming, too, over a period of time like that, when, when you, at that level. Every single thing on the planet is habit-forming if you do it enough, you know, and you Absolutely. do it with enough, you know. And so, you know, we, I, I made, um, so I, I also, I made a documentary called The Leaf of Faith that's on Netflix. And the reason I made that documentary was because when I tried it, I had a friend of mine who wrestled for WWE his name is Horseshoe. Yep. Luther uh, back in the day, yeah, Luther Reigns was his WWE name. We I call him Horseshoe. That's his name. Everybody does from OVW, I believe, right? Is it, yeah, yeah, yeah. His real his real name is Matt. So I got a phone call from Matt who said, Hey bro, you ever tried Kratom? And I was like, I was like, Yeah, you know what? I tried it when I was making the movie Prescription Thugs, but I don't I didn't get high from it, so I don't think it works, you know? Yep. And I was looking for the wrong thing. Wrong thing, yeah. And he said, No, no, it's like it's not to get high, it's for your pain. And he's like, I've been taking and, and Matt had a massive stroke from taking a lot of opioids and from AFib that he already had previously, right? So he had a massive stroke where he should have basically died. And he's been in a lot of pain for a lot of years. Yeah. And he said, This is the only thing that really helps me get out of bed and want to train again. And I'm like, wait, you want to get out of bed and train again? There's got to be something. Something's got to be up because yeah. he's never talking like that. And so um, I had him come visit me, um, and he brought a bunch of kratom, and he brought the guy that owned the company. And the guy that owned the company, like, wanted to make a documentary. And I'm like, whoa, 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 slow down, buddy. I, I haven't even tried this yet. And you, you know. And so what ended up happening was they came up. I tried kratom. They went away. Like three months later, I called Bobler and them. I said, we need to make a documentary about this. Like, we need to move on it now. And uh, I really, you know, pushed the fact that I I said, hey, I can get this on Netflix. Like, I know the right people. I think this is really important. And uh, my whole goal with it really wasn't to ever sell Kratom. My whole goal with it was to get people off of opioids and prescription painkillers because I had been through addiction and rehab and know how bad all that stuff is and how brutal it is for people. And so I just wanted to help people. And that was the main goal of the documentary, and I think we we nailed it. You know, we we definitely got a lot of people um, to know about kratom. But the other important thing was that by making the documentary, like the process of making the documentary, got me on Joe Rogan's podcast. You've been on when there I was a lot. On Joe yeah. Ro- yeah, when I was on Joe Rogan's podcast, that actually helped keep it legal. So really? Joe Rogan is like responsible for being one of the people that kept it legal. That's what I saw. You guys, I've seen, I was looking at interviews of you and I, I, I go back, I say to myself, I go, I didn't realize how much you and your brother have been on Joe Rogan's podcast. It's been a yeah, lot. We of were it. on there like four, four like or four five times. times I think. Yeah. 
it yeah, was, it was great. I mean, every time we go on, I, it's it's an honor to be on there. Absolutely, it's kind of hard to get on there. Yep. And um, what I realized, you got to do something out of the box. I've been trying to get on there for we want to get for talking about with, with and I I want to go back to wrestling here, and and I've realized and I talk about a lot of the issues. I want to go on there and talk about like, the John Oliver video that came out with wrestling and some of the stuff going on because I'm still active and I'm going to go back in a high position and I, I want I have the courage to do it and but eventually getting on there to kind of raise awareness for some of the things that are going on specifically with WWE but that's a whole other story but it, it is an honor to get on that show for the people that do. Yeah, I think it's great and it, and he's done a lot for us as far as just like helping us get our message out there. You know, what we what we're trying to do and how we're trying to help people in different ways like so when I did prescription thugs he had me on and, and I remember like um he had me on uh, while I was making prescription thugs, but then he had me on after it had already been out and the movie had already been out like a year Yeah, and he just wanted to have me back on. He was like all excited about it. He had just watched it again. He's like, I need to have this guy back on. So he had me back on and the movie had already been out for a year and it went to number one on iTunes, like after being on Rogan. So, I mean, that's the power that that show has. And that's like, it's really important. And I think it's important. Um, it's important for people like yourself, to uh, like, I, I like what you said on our podcast. I had asked you about it, and you said, you know, I haven't done a lot of podcasts, and I wasn't doing a lot of social media, but now you are, yeah. And you see the value in it. And I think uh, it's funny because my brother Mark commented to me the other day. He's like the big guy. He comments on every post. He's like he always likes my posts. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And, and and so Mark's like, I love that guy. But see the see the you know like Mark's also a big influencer. So like, yeah. see the effect that you're having actually works. It's actually yeah. relevant. It's the best way, it, man. I just I told you it changed my entire view because I deal with I and I. I have a real problem from being antisocial, and I, you wouldn't think necessarily I, I'm able to go out and perform in front of people. But I even in WWE, I remember talking to Triple H and Vince, but with Hunter, and he goes, "Look, we we know how you are. You you ride by yourself. You like listening to your books. You you kind of I talk to people all day when I'm at the arena, but I need my alone time." And, but I found that when I left with my injuries, I just shut down. I, I, I needed to be alone for a bit because, and maybe I didn't, maybe I say that now looking back, maybe I would have felt better reaching out more to more people, but I was staying busy and whatnot. But I, I found that I sometimes have this antisocial personality where I just keep to myself and, and I just listen to books all the time. And, and I realized though, something just shifted where I go, man, it just feels good talking to people and like helping people and letting people know now knowing having my name when I leave a comment on somebody's page and I, I do it on just not like people like your brother that are well known. I go to yeah, regular everybody. people pay and, and they message me back. It's made their day. And I go, wow, that's really cool. How people, you can just make people feel good with all this and it's connect that, and make new friends. And that's actually something that other people should take from you is that like, that's the low hanging fruit. That's the easiest thing to do. Go on somebody's page who you've never talked to before and just be like, you know, give them like a thumbs up, give them a, give yeah. them a like, you know, and they'll be so excited that you even just like their photo, you know, like these people that, you know, somebody leaves a nice comment on, on your page, go on their page, like one of their photos, leave them a message. Well, people will hit you back and they'll say, so here's the other thing. You have a supplement company. I have a supplement company yeah. and I'm not doing it for this, but people need to know this. Yep. When you go on and you leave a comment on somebody's page that you, that loves you, they love you already. They're yeah. already in. You go and you leave a comment they come back and most likely they buy your supplement, yeah. you know, or, or they're, you know, well, they're, they're aware of it. Yeah. 
they, they're buying into you. Like, and, and so like, I think a lot of people just need, need to know that, that like, Hey, look, this isn't just, um, like, yeah, I am reaching out to be friends with people, make more friends, but making more friends will make you more money. And I think that like, it's, it's something that like a lot of people hold that value more than friends, which I don't, I don't like that they do that. But I think that the more friends you have, the more you'll, you'll realize what's really important. You'll feel better. It just, you feel better at the end of the day. And that's for me, I had to learn a hard lesson and switching over from wrestling and I had to apply that work ethic that made me successful in wrestling into business. And I, that's why I love what you're doing with mind bullet. Cause for me, that was feeding me more nutrition. I was with the supplements with the aspartame and sucralose. I, it drastically changed my life cutting those out. But I understand that when you have a business, it's still not for everybody. And I learned the hard way on selling. Like when I left, I shut down. I didn't talk to people and I just put promotional posts out all the time. And it was a huge disconnect because all it came off was selling, 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 selling. And I wasn't doing anything else. But I, I needed that alone. I was handling it the wrong way because I was trying yeah. to figure out. I was going through all this with myself and my dog. And it was a tough lesson to learn. And then I just something, I, again, that book came along, The Energy Codes. And when you do it just to feel good, I don't even sell hardly. I don't like put hardly anything out anymore on my stuff because I just, I don't need to be doing this. I know what I'm doing. I have my, yeah. it's, I'd rather just connect and feel because I feel better personally. I, I'm at a, you know, honestly, I'm at a stage where you were at like a while ago. Like right now, I kind of feel because we're mindful. It's only you know two months old, basically two or three months old. So for me right now, I am kind of selling, selling, selling. But what it does to me also is it makes me provide more more content because I'm like if I put out a post where I'm selling, yeah. I need to put a, out a post where I'm giving, give, sell, yeah. give, sell. I right? got a like, great book for you too. I'll tell okay, you after yeah, this. Well, I'll send you it. I got it upstairs. And but it, if you're gonna go ahead, sorry. Uh, if you're gonna be selling, you got to be given too. You got to be given. Absolutely. Back, you know? And there's nothing. And I, it's just how people interpret things. Sometimes I think that that people are okay being sold to if they know they're being sold to in a way. But I think it's in this book I'm reading right now upstairs. I came across it, and it's been a blessing when you get the woman on my show. Um, but it's more telling your story from what this book I'm gathering from this book. And for me, it's mm-hmm. telling my story of aspartame and sucralose and how it affected me. It's telling your story in various different ways and different outlets and what it did for you. Because what will happen is people are going through that same story in their own way will migrate towards you and you don't even have to sell exactly. them. Yeah. And it's just cause you're just sharing, you're being open and sharing your life and something that you have your business revolves around your life. And I think that that is like so organic for me yep. because I had double hip replacement surgery at 35. Um, I was a power lifter. I was like really into that. That was my life. And then when that got taken away from me, I was in a lot of pain for a long time. You know, I became a drug addict and an alcoholic. I went through six years of uh, battling uh, opioid abuse, you know, and um, from the hip opioids, was this after the hip after this all happened? Yeah, I was going to ask you that, how that mentally impacted you because I well, went through that I, to a level. I can go through the story pretty quick. So basically I was always in pain my whole life, played high school football, everything always hurt. I went to college at USC film school and um, I was out in LA. I'm like, Oh, in LA, I better go lift at gold's gym. Started training at gold's gym, met Mike O'Hearn, a bunch of other powerlifters started powerlifting, like, you know, really at a high level. I mean, I, I won um, teenage nationals and a bunch of other, you know, big powerlifting meets was squatting over 600, benching over 400, deadlifting 600 at 20 years old wow. and at 198 pounds. So I was smashing people and, and drug free. You know, yeah. I, I, w- 
I was beating guys that were on steroids all the time and everything like Did that. Did that ever bother you too, competing with people doing that, or were you able just oh, to focus I, on I you? loved I loved it. Okay. I smoked everybody. I, I was, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, ah, juice heads, ah, you know, like I would make fun of yep. that stuff. Um, ironically, I ended up making the steroid movie, right? So, um, but, you know, and I, I also, had, back then I had a belt that said roids sucked on the back. Yeah. And my brother always talks about how ironic it was. I ended up taking steroids and getting, you know, making that movie yeah. and everything like that. Um, but like you, I didn't take a lot of shit. I don't even know a lot about steroids even yeah. now, like, yeah. which is kind of ironic, right? Like yep. yeah, I made a whole movie about it, but I don't know what to take to peak for a show. I have yeah. no idea. I've had to you adjust know? my personality on this too, Chris, with... I'm always trying to learn and evolve, but I'm, see, I have a problem. I'm ultra competitive. And if you listen, like Daniel Bryan will talk about it on interviews, guys that have been around me, like I want to be the fucking best. And I, I get, and it's, I sometimes, and like, I'm so against that stuff, but I found, uh, and I, you can't be a hypocrite or judgmental of people. And I just don't try, I try not to like or support that stuff. And just because I, I, I want to do put out my own message for what I'm doing, but I've had to learn to adjust my, I try not to put myself around people doing it because I know how I get. For me, I have a really difficult time because I just want to be, and I've had to learn to focus that within to be my best and whatnot. But it always fascinates me how other people are able, like you have such a better way of handling it than me, like, because where you're able to be around it and motivating, I look at it, I go, I'm fucking better than you. I don't need it. Like I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I constantly yeah. struggle with that from a, like where I, and like I social media, I got I sometimes will see stuff and I get angry and I just go, just chill out and just do your think, thing. And- think, think about this. I beat people now in our gym with two fake hips and off of steroids. <laughs> so like that's, that's even worse. Like getting get, like, you know, going in deadlifting against me and I'll, I can beat a lot of those it's guys. Some of the your, guys- me- your strength mentally though. A couple, the- couple of those guys crush me, you know, some guys, yeah. some, uh, 800 pound deadlifters in this gym a couple of them but uh besides them oh hearn's a freak too man i watch him and i he makes me feel like shit (laughs) i know i'm waiting for his baby his baby's like only a couple months old he'll probably be stronger than me pretty soon (laughs) baby titan it's just incredible yeah that that dude's just a freak but anyways to, to continue my story i um when i met o'hearn and those guys um you know, I was powerlifting at, at Gold's Gym, and I did that for a couple of years. But then things started getting really bad, so I started – I stopped lifting. So for a good, you know, probably six or seven years, I just had completely stopped lifting. And then I had got a job at um, – I was working at Sony Imageworks for a while. And I just, like, I hated my job, hated my life, and I just – I was drinking a lot during that time. And then um, I got to a point where I was able to quit that job and make bigger, stronger, faster. So I started making bigger, stronger, faster, but I kind of had a little bit of an alcohol problem when I started bigger, stronger, faster, because I wasn't happy with my job. I was dating a bunch of crazy girls, like, but there was a bunch of crazy back and forth, you know, stuff during that time. So, but when I made bigger, stronger, faster, for some weird reason in that, probably because I was focused on something I loved in that three year period of time, I kind of kept everything all together and was able to make it through that. But at the very end of bigger, stronger, faster, when went like right when we went to, um, when I went to Sundance with the movie is I had to have my hip surgery. Like uh, I had my hip surgery 14 weeks before I went to Sundance. So it was like, I knew I'd have enough time to recover. They said, it'll only take you like six weeks to recover. Well, it took me 12 weeks to recover. I was off my feet for 12 weeks. By the time I went to Sundance, I could barely walk, you know? And so I didn't really have the greatest time at Sundance and the, you know, do like all the things I necessarily like wanted to do there or whatever. 
but I was, um, but at least I was out of pain. You know, I was, I wasn't hurting as bad as I, as I had been. Um, but I realized that like, for some reason that they'd fix my hips, but they still, there were still problems or still yeah. issues. And, um, I went back to my doctor after three months after surgery. He's like, Oh yeah, you can start, you know, lifting again and doing all these things. But I, I couldn't lift. I tell, told him like, Hey, if I bend down and pick something up, it actually hurts. And he's like, hey, that's impossible. I fixed you. That's literally what he told me. I fixed you. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't. Cause when I bend down to pick something up, up, it's debilitating. And so he threw a tissue box on the ground. He said, pick that up. And I picked up the tissue box and he said, that's not debilitating. If it was debilitating, you wouldn't be able to do it. You actually did it. You're using the wrong terminology. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, doc. Like, I'm just trying to, I, I, I'm in a lot of pain, yeah. you know? And he's like, yeah, I've seen a lot of cases like yours. They're opioid painkiller, you know, seeking behavior. And, you know, it's, you, you have this drug seeking behavior. I'm like, dude, I'm in a ton of pain. So then my doctor calls me two years after this incident, which was like six months after my surgery and says, Hey, guess what? I know why you're in pain. We messed up, you know? What? So I went through two, two years of taking 25 Percocets a day, you know, because my doctor messed up. And I did, when I told him I was still in pain, he didn't want to, you know, uh, he didn't want to admit the yeah. fact that like he, you know, it could have been some, but he, he didn't even admit that he messed up. He, he basically blamed on, uh, the company that made the parts. So there's a recall on my parts. I was going to ask. Um, yeah. And, and so, um, I got, you know, a settlement out of the fact that I had to have my hip redone, but honestly, like when you get the settlement, first of all, I was all messed up on drugs. So they tell you any amount of money and you think it's good. Yeah. Um, and then, and then they try to tell you like, well, if it, you know, if you try to sue them, It'll take you 10 years and blah, blah, but I should have sued him from what, for, based on like what I got and what I went through and stuff. I, I should have sued the doctor. However, I didn't. Um, and I'm, I'm not like that anyway, but yeah. it definitely was, it definitely was negligent. It was like, it was beyond negligent for a doctor to tell me you're not debilitated. It's like, hard too to go through pain. I would imagine like that and be, cause it, you start, you have this anger, I would imagine in you and where you, you this resentment almost for this, this person that does this and that you have these problems now and whatnot. But that's what like that book changed with me looking at things a little differently. It was like, if okay, I could look at things like that for me with my case too, or I could say everything that's happened to me is in my favor if I choose to look at it like that. And it, it's not always the easy thing to do, but you've responded that way clearly with everything you've done from everything is you've, it's motivated you to higher heights. Yeah. The, the thing that was kind of crazy was like after the um, second surgery where I was, <clears throat> I felt a lot better. I had, you know, my right hip, hip had to be redone. Uh, only one of the hips had to be redone. The, the, the cup, there's like a ball and a cup and the cup came loose and it was like jiggling around in there. And that's what was causing the pain. It never, it never took to the bone. Um, so I got it fixed. And when I got it right after I got it fixed, I was still addicted to drugs. Yeah. But I was able to get off of them using Suboxone, right? But my doctor, here's another fuck up. My, my doctor put me on Suboxone. It's like this Beverly Hills doctor who put me on Suboxone for nine months when you're only supposed to be on it for two weeks. You know, it takes two weeks to get off pills. And yeah. I, 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 know that, I know that now, but I didn't know it at the time. So I was on 16 milligrams of Suboxone, which is a ton of Suboxone, for like for months Almost and months and months. And, and basically all it was doing was getting me more addicted to opioids. That's all it was doing. And so when I tried to get off Suboxone, 
I had to break it in these little pieces. And like you break it into smaller pieces each day and take a smaller, a lesser amount. They call it tapering down, you know? Yep. People do it with everything. Yep. So I was tapering down. I got to the point where there's just a little crumb of Suboxone, maybe like, maybe like half a milligram of Suboxone. And I would take that and all my symptoms would go away because you get very sick. It feels like you have the flu, yep. right? These, uh, they call it dope sick. So I was getting, I would get dope sick, but I would take this little crumb and I'd be fine. And then when I'd run out of those little crumbs, because I had broken it up, you know, a 16 milligram pill, I'm now breaking it up into 16 pieces. Uh, actually, it was an eight milligram pill broken up into a ton of little pieces. And I would take that little piece, but when that, those little tiny granules would run out, that's how strong this shit is. That little granule would run out, I would be the sickest I've ever been in my life. And three times I went to the emergency room because I was so sick from trying to get off Suboxone. And um, finally, the last time I went to the emergency room, I just realized like all they were doing was giving me Xanax. So I went to a friend who had Xanax and I don't I don't recommend this to anybody, but I just bought some Xanax for my friend who was shady. And um, that's how I got off Suboxone on my own because no doctor would help me. That's how messed up our medical system is. There wasn't a doctor that could help me without putting me on addictive drugs. I had to see what they were doing at the hospital and then help myself. And that's why I push Kratom. <laughs> that's why I tell people like, hey, you can do it on your own. You can do it by yourself. Uh, these things do exist. Uh, I can't really instruct you on how to do it, but I can tell you that it, it exists. You've lived and it. It's out there. And all the information's on Reddit. That's one uh, source of information I recommend to everybody who's looking for me. Now, you're going to have to look up several things because yeah. like, some people are completely out of their mind. But if you look, you know, you look up, five, you look up um, five different posts about the same thing and take the average, and you're probably going to find some good information out there. Was that the, the, what was your low point absolutely where you knew you had to make a change? Like, what, do, you, do you remember that moment for you in particular? Yeah, where- so... Absolutely. So I had a girlfriend at the time, uh, Lauren. And so I had met this girl and, you know, my whole life, uh, you know, I, it's like I've had girlfriends here and there, but like this girl was just, like, she was special. You yeah. know, I met her at the gym and I'm like, I, I kept thinking like this girl's trying to get her career off the ground or something. Like there's no way she likes me. Yeah. She's way too hot. It's crazy like, what we'll tell too, ourselves sometimes. Yeah. She's way too hot for me. There's no way she actually likes me. She's just trying to get, and I was fat too. I was fat and out of shape. Um, but she was just like a little angel came into my life and, um, you know, we basically got together and I was with her for like, I think about three months. And it was the first time I ever felt close enough to somebody where I could tell them, you know, but I didn't, but I was, I think I was trying to just tell her to get away from me. And I was like, listen, I have something to tell you every night that you stay over and you go to bed, I get up and I polish off a whole bottle of vodka. And she just cried and cried and cried. And she looked up at me after she cried for about five minutes straight and said, what are we going to do to fix this? And I was like, oh, shit, wow. she's in. You know, I get <laughs> yeah. choked up talking about it. Yeah, like, this girl, this girl's in. She's like, she wants to help me. And I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm just going to stop drinking. You know, I think I'll just stop because at this point, I'm not even addicted to pills anymore. I'm just an alcoholic because I got off the pills and I went from being full of anxiety from trying to get off of pills, being full of anxiety from hangovers from drinking alcohol. So I was actually still taking Xanax, which I got hooked on too, and drinking, right? So this is a terrible way to get off of things. So um, finally, it just got to a point where she said, how are we going to fix it? I said, I'm going to stop drinking. I stopped drinking cold turkey for seven days. 
which was like the hardest thing I ever did. I stopped, just completely stopped drinking, taking Xanax, stopped doing anything I was doing wrong. And then on the seventh day, just like alcoholics and drug addicts do, when I saw her, you know, rear lights take out of like take off out of the driveway on the seventh day, I was like, I'm going to the liquor store. I made it seven days. I can have a little bit of booze. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like a cheat day, like my cheat meal. And then I'll go right back to what I was, you know, and it didn't happen that way. Like I got so, but it was actually uh, fitting. I got so hammered that night that she came home from work and she called my brother. She's like, I don't know what I'm going to, she's like, your brother won't answer the door. He like, he, you know, he, she told him everything. He'd been drinking a lot. He told me he was going to stop drinking. He told me he was an alcoholic. He told me he had been addicted to drugs. He told me all these things. And, you know, you figure you'd be mad at a girl for doing that, but I couldn't have been any happier. Uh, the next day I was up in Sacramento and my brother and my sister-in-law were having an intervention with me, which wasn't really much of an intervention. It was more like, Hey, w- w- you know, you know, we have to do something about this, right? This isn't normal. And I'm like, I know I'm, I know I'm in trouble. And, you know, for the first time in my grown adult life, it just felt like I was in trouble. Yeah. And getting in trouble sucks, you know, yeah. and especially like I'm there. I got my, my parents were across from me thinking like, hey, we lost one kid. We don't want to lose another yeah. one. My brother and my sister-in-law are sitting across from me. My girlfriend's sitting across from me and everybody's looking at me and I'm the asshole, you know, so I had to fix it. You know, I, I had to. And so as much as that was a low point, I, it's so weird. I guess I guess rock bottom was that night before. But you could say my highest point was that very next day. When I realized my family loved me and that everybody just wanted to help me yeah. and they were there to do it and make it happen. You have an amazing family. I love that about you guys, how close you guys seem to be. And I think that I had that in my notes, just how important it is to have, whether it is actual direct family or just uh, friends, people that you can love and trust around you. It's so important and it, it makes me happy to hear that. And that's why I'm always, I'm drawn to you guys. I like that aspect of you guys, how you guys watching you and your brother work out. I think that's cool, man. It's yeah, we have very a, admirable. We have a family here up at Super Training Gym. So I moved up here to uh, work with my brother on some stuff like Mind Bullet, and we're working on a, a nutrition documentary as well. Sort of a follow up to Bigger, Stronger, yeah. Faster. We talk about a little bit. But um, I moved up here, and um, Mark has a friend who owns a bunch of coffee shops in the area. He's really well off and does really well, and he's been friends with Mark for like ten years. And he was telling Mark how he was just upset. You know, he's got four kids and. He just had his youngest, uh, you know, maybe like six months ago or uh, this uh, at the time, the kid's now like a year old. He's like, you know, I had a kid like six months ago and I just haven't been in the gym. I got fat and out of shape, but he's got all this money and all these businesses and he's crushing it. Right. But he doesn't feel good about himself because he's out of shape. He's 255 pounds. So um, he's like, but I don't I don't have any time. And my, you know, I I sacrifice because my wife goes across it every morning at 530. And um, she's, she's got to leave the house by 530. Mark's like, well, why don't you come in at four? And he's like, come in where? He's like, to my gym. And Sean, this kid, Sean, he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, just come in at four. I'll start coming in at four, too. I own the gym. I can come in anytime I want. And the guy's like, you're going to come in at four for me? He's like, well, no, I'm going to come in at four for me, but you're going to train with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, um, and so like, they started doing that like literally like one week before I showed up. And so when I showed up, I just joined in. Okay, four o'clock. That's when we're lifting. That's awesome. Let's go. Then Sean's best friend joined in. Then Sean's best friend's wife joined in. Then Sean's other best friend joined in. Now we have like twelve people at four o'clock in the morning training at our gym. Wow. And that's a 
that's a family. Yep. You know, that's, that's like legit. And it's not, we tell people all the time, it's not a badge of honor. Like, Oh yeah, I work out earlier than you. None of that matters. What matters is like, it's a form of discipline for all of us. It gets us to bed early. It makes it like, you can't be an asshole and get up. You can't be an asshole and get up at four in the morning. No, (laughs) this is not, you're not, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it to the gym. You know, you're not going to get done with what you wanted to accomplish. And so like, you're exactly right. It just kind of, keeps you on track you know we try to backtrack from that and get get the right amount of sleep and everything and some days it's hard some days you don't get the amount of sleep that you want but we um we just try to make it all work you know i love that it's so important i've learned in having a a messed up sleep schedule with wrestling and now having a business like i like to get up early with the stock market and do that i do a lot of my social media for a few hours in the morning and try to get that stuff all done before my day really, really gets going and whatnot. But just the discipline of getting to bed, because I like to get, especially with all my stem cells, seven to eight hours if I can. I don't always get that, obviously, but it's just getting up early like that, man, getting your day on track. You start your day off with a great workout like that, and you got people that are around you. It just helps you have a better day, in my opinion. I also think that people in our position that have pain, you know, you have some pain going on. I have some pain going on. Um, I really, really think that, um, wait, like wake getting up and uh, like, so I get up, I take mind bullet, my, like I take mind bullet, like right when I wake up, Same here. I wait, I wait for it to kick in and then I hit the gym. Right. And so for me, that's like, that's my go time. Okay. But I'm also think about it. I'm fresh. I just laid down for eight hours and now I'm on my feet and now I can move. So once I get moving around a little bit and a little bit warmed up, obviously four o'clock in the morning is early. It's hard to get moving, but by 4.15, 4.20, I mean, I'm in full swing, yeah. and I, I can pretty much do anything. Now, if I came in at I, – I know people like to work out in the afternoon. I know even like Ultimate Warrior, he liked to work out at night. But if I worked out at night, it would be different. Now, I'm fine with him working out at night. Obviously, it worked for him. Yeah. Uh, if I work out at night, I am so achy and sore and beat up from the day yep. that it's hard for me to work out. So for me, that works better, works right? Me, yeah. It doesn't have to be necessarily for everybody. It's just for me, that's the reason why I I get up and I do it um, first thing in the morning. Uh, Another thing that I think that a lot of people need to know about and understand is the role of diet in pain and inflammation. I was going to ask you about that because you look better than ever. And that was, I wanted. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So, and um, it's kind of crazy, man. Like some of the shit I've been doing recently as people scratching their heads, um, I've been eating a lot of liver lately, okay. um, a lot of organ, a lot of organ meats. I've been, um, I, so mainly I'm, I, you know, we talked about this on my podcast a little bit. I've been on a carnivore diet for about two years, yep. which is basically an all meat diet and not to be like, I, I'm not very dogmatic about it. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not one of those people that sees an avocado on somebody's plate and says, Hey bro, that's not carnivore. Yeah. Like I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't care how other people eat either. I'm doing this because I'm in a lot of pain. Yep. And the one thing that gets me out of a lot of pain is getting all the proper vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that my body needs yeah. without the stuff that it doesn't. So for me, grains and sugars and things like that cause inflammation yeah. in the body. So sticking to an all basically red meat diet provides with all 13 of your vitamins and minerals that you need and any any other nutrients are, are sort of basically like anything that you can find in the human body is found within an animal yeah right so they have all the muscles all the you know all the um cholesterol and and different uh vitamins minerals and nutrients that we need 
it's all in there. There, There's a lot more of that stuff in the liver, kidneys, and heart. So by eating some of that stuff, which might sound gross, I just actually ate beef heart for the first time today. What was that like? And I, dude, it was awesome. Really? Like beef heart, liver's gross. Okay. But beef heart is actually good. It tastes like, um, I ate it raw and I just sliced it up in little chunks and it might sound crazy, but it just kind of tastes like, um, like a good piece of like a rare filet mignon. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, I it's never actually, thought that. It's like pretty good. And it's got so many. I, I actually have to look more into the nutrient values. But I work with this uh, Dr. Paul Saladino, who's been on our podcast a lot. And um, he's just like an expert in this sort of animal, uh, nose to tail carnivore eating. And um, he's been advising me on some stuff I can do that he thinks might help me get rid of pain, which is just sort of including more organ meats because you can you could eat steak all day and, and get along with that. I was doing that for like a good year yep. where I basically just ate steak all day. But a lot of people were telling me I was missing out on a lot of other uh, nutrients and other things that might help me feel better. So why not try it? That's yeah. the way I look at it. Do you do now with that diet? Any, like, cause I was reading about the carnivore diet because for me, I do, I like I tried keto and and I think we spoke about this a little bit and I I've tried I yeah. always did well with carbs but I found now and I I was intermittent fasting and that wrecked my metabolism actually doing it because I was doing it too extreme I wasn't getting I was eating for only four hours a day and I couldn't get the calories I needed and so my metabolism slowed down drastically where I've always been able to process carbs pretty well um, and again I always stay away from sugars or whatnot but for me now my metabolism has finally kicked back in. For me, it's green vegetables and salads with the, with the lean meats. And I found I just shred right up on that. Yeah, so um, that you know that works for a lot of people. For for me, I don't have any problem with like other people eating vegetables. Yeah. The reason I don't I don't eat them personally a lot, but I do eat some of them. So I'm not going to say I don't eat any of them. I do eat some of them, but I don't eat like a lot of salads and stuff like that because I have a lot of digestion issues. Yeah. And when I eat sense. like a salad, well, first of all, it's a vehicle for oil. Right. Yeah. Like, what are you going to put on a salad? Yeah. You put fucking oil on it. I don't I don't believe in taking in oil of any kind. OK, really. Yep. Um, every once in a while, I have some like MCT powder just because I want to put it in my coffee. But it's not because I think oil is necessarily healthy. I don't think and I think oil is just a concentrated form of fat. Yeah. And you're doing the same thing that you're doing with sugar. Yep. So when you're just dumping oil and stuff, you're, that makes you're sense. basically it's like sugar is just part of the plant. But if you yep. eat the whole sugar cane plant, you probably wouldn't have the same reaction to it. So I think the same thing with, with oils. I just try to stay away from them, it's but um, I stay away from vegetables mainly just because of the, um, you know, the phytochemicals that are in them that yep. could actually cause uh, digestion issues. But okay. I think for people like you, they're fine. I also um, gave you Stan Efferding's number. I don't know if you guys yeah. connected yet, but I think for somebody like you, and I think for your audience, they should also be aware of Stan Efferding and the vertical diet. I'm going to try diet. to get him on the show as well, too, here. I think the, the vertical diet is fantastic for anyone that really wants to put on muscle mass or just stay muscular, stay lean, and like stay on a program. I mean, pretty much everybody at Super Training Gym is either on a carnivore diet or a vertical diet. Now, I'd say most of them are on the vertical diet because they like they like carbs. They like to eat rice. So like, hey, if you like to eat rice and that keeps you strong, basically the carnivore diet's a cup of rice and a cup of beef, you know, with yeah. uh, some bone broth on it. And that's your meal. That shit tastes so good. Is that the vertical and diet? It has carbs incorporated into it as well? A vertical diet is very similar to a carnivore diet, okay. except for you can have you can have like rice and potatoes, basically. Okay. But it's very similar, and there there is a lot of reasons. Like Stan, um, he takes out all what's called FODMAPs. Are you familiar with FODMAPs? No. 
So FODMAPs are, so you know when people say they're gluten insensitive, yeah. you know, oh, I can't have gluten. Well, they're not allergic to gluten. They're allergic to these things called FODMAPs. And FODMAPs are these short chain carbohydrates that people find a really hard time digesting. Yep. And there are a lot of different foods. So Stan took um, basically the FODMAPs diet, which is basically like he got rid of anything that messes up your digestion. Yeah. And he took it out of the diet. Like, see, see you later. You know, anything that messes up your digestion. His whole thing is fill up, eat a lot of protein and be strong. Yeah. And uh, having you like, dude, having a blowout in the bathroom is not being strong. Yeah. Being on the toilet all day is not being strong. Yeah. How many of these diets and if it fits your macros things that we see where people are shitting their brains out because that used to be me all the time. WWE, I was eating shitting all the time. Just well, I did keto. I did keto and I was dumping MCT oil down yeah. my throat and I was on the toilet all yep. day. And like, how healthy is that? Like, none of that. Was I got fatter on keto on too, for whatever that, reason. That I'd... can happen. It can happen yeah. too because you're taking in a lot more calories than you're expending and things like it was, that. I, my I body also was got, so weird with it. Yeah. I feel like, um, so I think the difference is this, like, so a carnivore diet, you almost can't mess it up. Yeah. You know, like if I just tell you, all right, right back, just eat meat, like just go. And you're just eating meat all day. You're like, oh, what kind of meat? Doesn't matter. Any, any kind of meat, as long as it doesn't have sugar in it or anything yeah. else. Right. So it's like, um, but mainly you're eating like red meat and you're, you're getting a lot of, you're getting like, you know, two to four pounds of meat in a day yeah. probably. And that's not hard to mess up. But when I tell you, like, hey, you can add in dairy and you can add in this and that, yeah. what do you tend to go towards? Well, I'll have a big block of cheese and maybe one little piece of meat. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you eat what you like yep. and you start eating things that are sort of – like, I think what happens with a keto diet it starts off with the best of intentions and it just turns into another, like, diet where you're you're eating all the keto foods and all the things that, you know, people have made that make the diet sustainable, yeah. which I think are okay once in a while – but I think people need to know the difference between once in a while is not once a week. Once in a while is like once a month. Yeah. You know, I think people need to understand <laughs> that. Like you can't eat keto pancakes all day and get shredded. No. It's just not going to happen. I do but well on protein a- too, on high protein and leaner meats for whatever reason. And I can have some fatty meats, but I can't make that every meal I found for me. Like I can't do a big thing of bacon all the time because like for whatever have reason. You, have you heard of Piedmontese beef? No. Okay, you're gonna love this, dude. I'm gonna hook you up with this company. And okay. I'm gonna get them to send you send you some beef too. So oh. Piedmontese, a, a company I work with, right? They have the absolute best steaks I've ever had. Really? They they have like so their steak is basically like it costs about the same as your normal grain fed store bought steak, but it's as juicy and tender as a prime steak. Oh. And the reason why is these cows are double muscled. You've seen bigger, stronger, faster, yeah. right? You know the Belgian blue bull that's yeah. in that movie? Yeah. So these are – Piedmontese are just Italian bulls that are kind of from the same heritage. Okay. So they, they have this double muscle, and the double muscle, it's like the fibers are crossed, which makes it really tender. Ooh. So it has more of a um, – it just has more of a uh, of a texture that's that's more like uh, – it's just way – I'm sold already. It's so tender. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. But here's, here's the amazing thing about Piedmontese that you're not going to believe. If you get a Piedmontese flat iron steak, it has 60 grams of pro- – or no, the flat iron one has 100 grams of protein in it, and it's got 6 grams of fat. Get out of it. That's- it, dude, in red meat. So wow. I'm telling you, like this stuff is game-changing. For me, it's been a game-changer for my diet. It's, it's what I eat mostly. Yeah. 
And um, I actually do a trade out with them. I, I I post them on my social media. They send me free meat. Oh, and um, you can't beat they that. were like, "Hey, do you want to do you want to do an affiliate program?" I'm like, <laughs> nah, I'm cool with free meat because I'm getting more out of it yep. from free meat than absolutely. I, you know, like I like I'm like you, man. I'm in health. I'm all in. And if I'm going to help a company, I'm going to make sure I help them. Yep. And if they're going to help me, I make sure they that they help me. Absolutely. You know, but um, like to me, that's the perk of doing what I do is getting some free steaks. Yeah. But the Piedmontese uh, steaks, actually, they have a sale going on right now, 25% off up until uh, 4th of July. I'm going to look those up. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, but look them up, but I'll I'll, I'll hook you up with the guys, too, because I think they would really like you. And what I'm I'm trying to do with them is, like, I want to get people eating red meat again, right? Yeah. So like we're talking about help, we're talking about helping people. So I started by helping myself getting some free steaks. Yep. And then I start by saying, how can I preach this message to the world? This company has leaner ground beef and leaner steak than any other company out there. And the stuff is really good quality. It tastes really good. And I think we can get people eating a lot healthier and better. So that's my goal. So I'm actually trying to help them get it into certain restaurants. Yeah. And, Certain things like I, I have bigger goals for it than just getting free meat. Yep. And I think that um, that's the way I look at things. Is like you, how you, can we you help believe in it? Yeah, that's what happens. You well, find, I believe you know. in it. And I'm like, if I owned a restaurant, I'd only serve this. Yep. So here, you know, I can bring it to my friends that that own restaurants and things like that. And I think that's that's great stuff to be doing. Absolutely, Chris. I don't want to take up any more of your time here, but I always like to ask everybody I have on for our listeners if there's one piece of advice. You can give people out there that has helped you in your life. If you can only narrow it down to one, what would that be? I would say focus on being happy. Uh, I've spent too much of my life trying to please other people. I spent too much of my life trying to um, do other things for other people. But I think when you focus on yourself, you really, if you can make yourself better, you make the world better. So if you improve as a filmmaker, I can teach you guys more. If Ryback improves, you know, as an entertainer, he can get out there and meet more people and do more of what yeah. you're doing, like the, uh, the the good stuff that you really like. Entertainment's yeah. entertainment, and that's important too. But we really want to help people, right? Yeah. So we can help more, more people if we're better. We yeah. have a better reach. Like if we're if we're stronger, if we're you know we're leaner. You know, like you said, hey, you look the best you ever looked. I appreciate that, especially coming from you. <laughs> But when did you ever? When did I ever think I'd be on a podcast with Ryback telling me I got a pretty good bill? Like, oh, a, <laughs> I'll take you know I'll, I'll take it right, um, you know. But to me, that's like what's important is just like being happy and being content with yourself. I was always so scared to take my shirt off. It, I was too. As it a was kid. crazy. Like I would never. But I'm not even talking. When I was a kid. I'm talking up until six months ago. Yeah, a year ago maybe. I, I did not like taking my shirt off. I I felt like even now I still feel weird. And I tell people like I don't take my shirt off to show you that I'm in good shape. I show you take my shirt off to show you how much more work I need to do. Yeah, you know, like I, that's the way I look at. it. I'm like I take it off because I am uncomfortable. I've dealt with that you know? a lot too. I'm very similar in that actually, which is crazy that I got into wrestling. I still to this day I wear baggy shirts and like I I cover up a lot. See, and I love people like you talking about it because I would never think that you'd have that problem yeah, ever. Yeah. I think, oh, Ryback, he's just so jacked. He just takes his shirt off anywhere. I wear pants like, and baggy nah. shirts all the time. and then But if I'm wrestling, I could switch my mind because I over – but, it, I, 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 man, I'm the same on that. Then there's, cert, there's certain people like my brother. He, he's always loved it. Even yeah. though he's fat. I'm just like you just work out and with it, yeah, naked and be fine. You ever, <laughs> you ever on the beach? You, you know, you're on the beach. So I used to be on the beach, right? And I would see some like – you know, big fat guy, all hairy, and he'd have his shirt off. 
and he wouldn't care. And I'd be like, I just wish I had that. Like, yep. like honestly, I don't, I don't wish I had that physique, but I wish I had his balls. Yeah, you know, because I, I don't want. Like, I am so scared to take my shirt off, and I'm in way better shape than that guy. So, to me, like one of the saddest things about like not being happy and content with yourself. If you're not happy and content with yourself and it's because of your physique, well, fix your physique. Yeah, It's easy to do. Yep. Like the, the other thing I like to teach people too is that none of the stuff that I do or did to change my life is very hard at all. Nope. It, it's a, it's a, they're all like one step, yeah. you know, like how did you get in great shape? I ate meat. Boom. Yep. That, I, I can literally, I can elevator pitch you almost everything I've done to make my life better. I, I can tell it. you in one sentence, in an elevator, what I, Hey, I took Kratom. I had a lot of pain. I took Kratom. I had, you know, I had a lot of inflammation. I went on a carnivore diet. Like what are the things it, it should be easy, right? Yep. Like shouldn't be so complex to fix a lot of these problems. And I, I think if people realize that more people will start taking control of their problems a little bit more. I love it. And Chris, where can people, where can they find you on social media and where can they get the mind bullet here? Where, where's the best place to send them for that? Sure. Um, they can follow me on social media at Big Strong Fast. There is a link to mindbullet.com backslash Chris Bell on there on my uh, um, my main page. And they can just click on that. And if you click on that and you order from there, you'll save 20% off of MindBullet. Uh, you can also find my podcast that Ryback has been on. Yes. And that's called Better, Stronger, Faster with my boy uh, William Schufelt. And that's on you know iTunes and wherever you can find any podcast. I also have several movies. Um, Bigger, Stronger, Faster is on Amazon now. And it's also on, uh, I want to say Hulu. Okay. And um, Prescription Thugs is available on Netflix. A Leaf of Faith is available on Netflix and iTunes, both of those. And uh, my film Trophy Kids, which um, kind of got a uh, it was on HBO. That's that's on HBO Go. You can find that one. So if you want to find any of my movies, those are the places to find them. And uh, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Good deal, Chris. And guys, we'll be right back after these messages. Do you like sex? Who doesn't? If you like sex, you'll love BlueChew.com. BlueChew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom, like lasting longer and going extra rounds. At BlueChew.com, you can get your first chewables with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Chewables can work faster than pills, up to twice as fast, guys. The chewable from BlueChew can be taken on a full or empty stomach, and your online physician consult is free. So it's cheaper than those other two, those other two being Viagra and Cialis. It only takes a few minutes to connect with a BlueChew.com affiliated physician, and if you qualify, you get prescribed online quickly. So no in-person doctor visit, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. It ships directly to your door in discreet packaging. The chewables from BlueChew.com are prescribed online by a doctor and made in the USA. BlueChew gives you the confidence in the bedroom each and every time. You and your partner will love it. Chew it and do it. I also got a great deal for you guys on this for listening to Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code Ryback. That's right. Just use promo code Ryback and your first order is free. Just pay $5 shipping. That's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code Ryback. Baseball season is in full swing, and placing a wager on baseball has never been more exciting than with BetOnline.ag. 
This week, I'm not watching any of the game, guys, because you know the big guy Ryback is, doesn't watch much sports, to be quite honest. But I'm not against it at all. And if you love sports and you love betting, betonline.ag is your place because now you can save an extra 50% added onto your sports betting bankroll when you go to clnsmedia.com slash Ryback and use code CLNS50. The best part is the bonus will be added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support our podcast by going to clnsmedia.com slash Ryback and use code CLNS50. A minimum deposit of $25 is required to qualify for the bonus, and please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. BetOnline.ag, your one-stop shop for online betting. All right, we're back. Got Raj Geary here this week with Wrestling Inc. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Enjoyed the uh, UFC 239 last night. And, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, that was uh, actually tried to order it on pay-per-view, and it was couldn't get it. I had people coming over, and I was freaking out because <laughs> it, it said 600 and something dollars on the uh, – on the Cox communications thing, but that's probably for like the bars or oh, right. whatever that price, but it wouldn't let me get it. So then I had to, I had to get the, luckily I have a PlayStation upstairs. I had to, I don't use it, but I had to hook it up, get ESPN plus, And then, uh, you pay $80 for the year and you get all the UFC pay-per-views. So it was actually, they're like 65 bucks on pay-per-view for one. So it's like that right. old WWE model now. So, which is interesting for the fighters that they're not going to, they no longer right. have the pay-per-view system, and UFC is doing exactly what WWE has done. And right, and it's interesting because you have to have an ESPN Plus membership and then pay on top of that for the, the pay-per-view. So, Do you have, uh, so, and the way they had it set up last night, it looked like uh, it said $79.99 for ESPN Plus through PlayStation 4, that if you got mm-hmm. it through PlayStation 4, you get all the UFC fights for the whole year, and then you renew, but it didn't say anything else about another price on that. Yeah, so they they ES, they have their own ESPN Plus UFC shows, so you yeah. get all of those for that's included. But the pay per views uh, are an additional cost. You so I got to go on there then pay for each pay per view then still. Right. Oh, yeah. well, well, they got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people have stopped ordering UFC pay per views because of that extra hurdle and not you know they're just used to traditional pay per view and ordering it through you know the remote direct TV you know yeah. that way. I so. want man. I I look at this and I wonder because I and I really I had to get it, but it was I debated. I was like, man, I should just call this all. It was it's kind of a pain in the ass. But once you get it set up, you're kind of you're good. But how many people are going to really do that all the time? It's pretty complicated. Not complicated, but it's just it was so much easier just ordering it a button on a pay per view and right. And and older people like above the age of forty, fifty, you know, yeah. that aren't totally tech savvy probably don't. Uh, they hear all the steps you got to do and probably just aren't going to do it. Yeah, I, it makes me wonder if it's a mistake ditching the pay-per-view model altogether, that if there, if there was a transition, like keeping both intact somehow. Right. I don't know. Well, the UFC is getting paid big money with ESPN, so they're making uh, you know all this money for that they wouldn't have otherwise unless the pay-per-view uh, numbers were big. So yeah. they're getting a guaranteed rate. Which is crazy because that doesn't go back to the fighters probably either because there's right. no one particular fighter. It's like the WWE model as a group. And right. uh, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, and that's why Brock, you know, Brock wasn't getting the uh, the amount that he wanted and never went back because of that. Because so. he won't get credit if, even if they do more buys, essentially, for that fight, for the 
there's right. no way like they yeah yeah so yeah it's an interesting time i mean it's one thing they're making more money than ever but the popularity also takes a hit because yeah. fewer people are watching i agree uh, but i wonder if they t- think with social media if they make it up on that end they're making more money from a business model but then they're getting people who are more prone to go to social media to see what's going on because that's free Right. And the, and I'm sure there is some of that, but as far as introducing new stars, yeah. uh, they've been having a hard time making new stars, you know, since Conor McGregor and, and Ronda Rousey. So I agree. Man, fighting though is a game. They don't see that's, you know, we saw like last night in the Ben Askren. Did you see that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and who, who's a guy that likes to talk and he gets a lot of, he has, he's pretty popular though. And you could see how quickly though, like lights out and you could be on top of the world one day. And then the next day you could, your career could be over. Right. So, but it, yeah, yeah, for sure. It is interesting though, in MMA, how you don't lose your star power after one loss. You know, Conor McGregor lost yeah. to idea. His next fight was even bigger. Uh, I'm sure his next fight will be gigantic. Yeah. You know, Tito Ortiz, you know, was a star for a decade after he was really, uh, but I think you, you know, see, I agree with you on that with, with the, with the people that really have longevity and like Holly Holmes has lost and been able to bounce back and, but right. it's all how they bounce back, and we saw it like with Ronda. You lose two in a row mentally. That game is so much different than anything else. That right, uh, there's there's a lot of people you see that fight, and then they, you just never hear of again. And then there's those rare stars. But yeah, I agree. It is, it's it, it's tougher to make stars over there. And yeah, keep them around. So yeah, absolutely. But it was a fun show. Yeah, no, I uh, I loved it from beginning to end, man. That was uh, Amanda Nunez. Two yeah. very dominant performance and Jones. You feel that John Jones won that? Yeah, I like the man. It's uh, I, his guy, Doctor Bo Hightower, worked on me this week. He he worked. He, he's out here to work on John all week and mm-hmm. uh, to get him ready for the fight and uh, doing adjustments and manipulation stuff. And uh, it was uh, that guy, man. I, I his attitude. I like his press conference after. I think he comes off really well too. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, he doesn't take anything away from the other talent. And uh, that's the one thing with fighting. I wonder, man, in like the Connor style, that when you talk like that, sometimes at night it's to sell tickets. And we saw it, Chael Sonnen did it a lot. But like, right. then when you lose, it's really, it's tough to keep doing that. In that. Yeah. That, you're in- interested to see how Connor's approach on his next fight. Right. If it's a little more quiet and go back out and get back some steam and get that, con- you know, I, I don't know. Right. Because he can't be, if he fights Khabib again, he can't be out there calling him a bum and like that. He yeah. can't fight and not whip him because we've already seen it, you know, uh, him get dominated the first time. So And it's too, yeah, it, certain guys you don't want to, the, 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 the Askren fight last night, the, yeah. that guy, when you make certain people angry, it has a, Connor's done it to some guys and been able to get away with it. Where it's right. kind of worked, but there's some guys where it motivates them even further. Where and like Khabib, we saw too with Connor, it it becomes very personal, and it's like there's nothing that you could do to overcome that when it, a, a guy reacts to it like that. So yeah, you could tell Jorge Masvidal he was uh, uh, he he really wanted that win, and and he was not uh, being a good sportsman after that fight. No, that, like... I'm gonna tell you that was one of the scariest things I've ever seen in a fight. Yeah. I I was concerned the way his body froze up and locked up that some severe brain damage. I mean, you could, you could die from, yeah. from a strike like that. And I was going to, it's I see, and I go on, I, I follow some of those guys and as bad as wrestling fans can be, man, I get disappointed when I see MMA fans, the way right. they speak to the fighters, because those guys all pretty much respect each other though, because they know the work that goes into it and the, what they put themselves and what they put on the line every time. 
I feel like sometimes I just wish people had more respect for what they do. Um, yeah. And a lot of people do. It's just the sum of them on social media can be a little. I don't like to see that kind of stuff. Some people yeah. they they can be pretty vicious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Askren was fine. They said they said that after the press conference, and he tweeted afterwards. Uh, he just wrote, "Well, that sucked." Yeah. <laughs> I would have loved if he just said, "Boom, I got roasted." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but good yeah, to see so. him keeping his sense of humor after. Right. Uh, yeah, it's. I enjoy the guy. I get it. he doesn't. I could see where he could rub people the wrong way, but it's he's entertaining. Well, for sure, yeah. I mean, he has that that uh, like his character is very cocky, and yeah. and, uh, and he's been undefeated. So I know a lot of people have been waiting for this. But man, that was a that was a nasty knockout. Yeah, I would, I'm really interested. Man, I would actually like to see. I know it's not going to happen right now. A rematch to see if they if that doesn't happen right off the bat, how that fight goes down. It's always good with Askren and in his style, but it was just the that was the perfect knockout. Yeah, yeah. Gonna, <laughs> it, was, it was brutal. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the fastest ever uh, knockout win in UFC history. So They said it was about two seconds, but they said five officially. Right, five was official, but right, yeah. it was just boom. I've boom. never seen anything. I mean, it was the perfect, everyone saw that coming except for, for Ben. Right. And he's, right. he's, he's the only one in there, and that wasn't, man, I'm sure if he, he's going to play that one back a million times in his head and... Yeah, it's uh, but man, that, that was that card top to bottom was, I enjoyed it. So. Yeah, it was it was a great show. What's going on in wrestling no. this week? We have any news? So it is. It has been a uh, not as crazy a week as far as the news goes in pro wrestling, but there there definitely has been a lot. Uh, AEW Fighter Fest, obviously last weekend, there was a lot of stuff coming out of that regarding the chair shot. Yeah. The, you know that was supposed to be gimmicked, um, and. It, it, what it seems like is just a piece of the chair just nicked Cody's head and caused caused that cut. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so also Luke Gallus and Carl Anderson they just resigned and uh, they are back with AJ Styles. The club is reunited. AJ Styles is a heel again. Uh, what were your thoughts on on how all that played out on Raw? I'm happy for them. I I like I've I've known Luke back from Deep South Wrestling and Carl. They actually came up when I was still there, and when they were they were brand new up there together and uh, I got along with Carl I could tell he's a really good guy and uh, they, they both you know they have families and um, I'm sure they got offered a, a good amount of money to stay for them mm-hmm. to sign a five-year deal for both of them too because they're they've been around for a bit now as far right. as pro wrestling and so they I'm sure they looked at that financially and and they were able to creatively get something what WWE will be interesting to see how they play out with them they're notorious for doing this and, and always talking good with bad is they'll book you really good to get you to resign. <laughs> and, they, and then a few months down the line, that always tends to go away. It, it happens time and time again. And, and I said with me back when I right, so this is no joke when, right when they put the intercontinental title on me, that's right when they handed me a new contract, like the week <laughs> after and it, they lowballed it. And that, that, but that what will happen is guys will, you get that euphoric high on winning a championship or being, you know, holding the championship. And you'll sign, and then they'll just go along with their plans. And I, it had the opposite effect. I mean, I already knew some things and what I wanted, and I knew what was going on. And, and it ended up working against me where they took it off me pretty shortly thereafter and things But because uh, I didn't resign. But oftentimes that is a trick they will do, or a strategy, if you will. Right. And it works on some guys because some guys – 
or after that sort of thing and, and whatnot. And they're just looking in, they're living up day to day. And in the moment, they're not looking, you know, what's going to happen a year from now. But as long as they got financially what they want is I am, I commend them and I'm happy to see them being booked good again, because we saw they were off TV Yeah, and people will see, man, they can, they can erase you really quickly from that show and make you very irrelevant really quickly. And, Mm -hmm. but they can make you relevant just as quickly again. If uh, so, I'm happy. I think it's a good, I think it's a good move for them. I like AJ with them. I think it gives AJ, I think AJ does better with guys around him personally. I think he's more entertaining than when he's on his own. I agree. And that could be maybe for a lot of guys when you have somebody to play off of. You you could kind of let your personality come out a little more, whereas when you're by yourself, you're not you don't really have that. Right. Yeah. It, it definitely felt like the last couple of years he was getting a little stale with this character, and this this definitely re-energizes them. Well, he got put into the Raj that he almost got put into the John Cena role, but he's not right. John Cena. He's right. AJ Styles, and where you're that that baby face. And you're selling some merchandise, and you're working. He he gets cheered in his matches, and he does cool stuff. And but that might not be his best role mm-hmm. necessarily. John did really well with that. Like John, it's very believable. I think AJ is a really could be a really good heel with those guys around him. And yeah. So, and Ricochet seems like a great foil for him too. So I'm enjoying um, that. Yeah, I think they have a good opportunity with Ricochet. If they, yeah. I'd like to see more promo time and uh, character development, which takes time. And uh, I think Ricochet needs to doing great, and I think that op- that just that gearbox just switch gears and that show that intense, believable fight style as well. And if he can blend that all together and keeps getting mm-hmm. TV time, I think he they got they got real potential with that. Right. Um, also, this past Monday on Raw, speaking of wrestlers signing new five year deals, Mike and Maria Canella said uh, they signed new five year deals uh, in early June, and. Um, yeah, after, shortly after that, Maria revealed that she was pregnant. It's legit. Uh, she found out about two weeks ago. Uh, but she had told WWE uh, that when she signed that they were planning to have another child. So uh, congrats to the Canalysis. Yeah. Uh, a second baby on the way. Uh, then they did that angle on Raw. What were your thoughts on that? I missed actually that part of it. Where okay. I did not see that. It was They did an it with, um, Were they breaking those two up together? Is that the... It, it, it's it's hard to tell, or if they're just going to keep Maria with them and just you know berate them all the time. But uh, yeah, basically Maria was challenged uh, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins to a mixed tag match with herself and, and Mike. Uh, Mike just got you know pr- pretty much jobbed out in the match. He didn't really get much offense in. Then Maria just started berating him at ringside, saying she's not much of a he's not much of a man, and maybe. You know, Becky Lynch is more of a man than he'll ever be, and maybe he should. She should have Becky Lynch impregnate her. Interesting. Uh, yeah, like really, uh, really burying the poor guy, and then revealing she was pregnant when Becky was going to punch her, and then uh, the finish of the match saw Becky tapping uh, Mike Canellis out with her disarmor. Um, That's you know, a, some people. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say uh, some people felt like it was a complete burial. Others felt like. Uh, Mike is getting TV time, you know, he and he hasn't been on TV at all. Um, doesn't seem like TV time is always the best thing, but yeah, no, that and again, that could be it, it, if that it becomes a part of his character and he's on every week and begins becomes a big role every week. Mm-hmm. That will help that because he will become a, a, a character on there. It's almost like like Kurt Hawkins losing, but he's not, he never got really any TV time. He's irrelevant, and he, and then he got a little bit of TV time, but. 
Like, there was never he was never a featured performer on the show ever. It wasn't a big thing. The losing it's just something they did with it because it was what he's always done since he's been there. Right. And they have an interesting way of working in that company where they get the talent to resign, and if they're not happy with them, and I don't know everything about the details of Maria's pregnancies, and I know since they've signed, there seems to have been there's always all things always going on and whatnot. They will always find a way to win one way or another. Mm-hmm. No matter what, and you know that's what I. When you sign those contracts, you're signing over control, and it, it becomes they're going to do what they want to do. And I think you got to let this play out and see what happens down the road with yeah. him. But it, it, I mean, it's never from a from a man standpoint and competing and tapping out to a woman on the show. Like that's as far as for your character and, and wrestling at the end of the day it becomes very believable. It's all what they do with him after that and whatnot mm-hmm. because if, if this is a way to they do this and it's just to write Maria off TV for a while and then he goes back to not doing anything, it just lowers him even further as far as in the fans' eyes and how all that. So I think you just got to wait and see how it plays out. But if right. you know if they were fine with her having another pregnancy and re-signing and they didn't want him to go anywhere, then you know that's. That, that's what they want. It's fine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this was the first episode of Raw with Paul Heyman kind of in charge. Uh, you know, he's the new executive director of Raw. They're slowly transitioning into those roles. Bischoff starts uh, the week after next, uh, but Heyman, his fingerprints were all over that that show. Um, and it, I, I felt like it was a, a faster paced show. They, they've kind of cut down on the long, meaningless matches. Uh, you know, that go forever, and, and and you know they have no stakes or anything. Uh, but they're also now doing all these awkward two out of three falls uh, gimmicks and, and restarting the match, you know, and having someone interfere and restarting it. So, but um, but overall, uh, the the rating was up 10 percent from from the week before. It was one of the higher rated episodes uh, in the last couple of months. It was the second highest since the superstar shakeup. Uh, it did two point four nine six million viewers. Um, and uh, the, the second hour was almost 2.7 million, which is one of the better numbers they've done in a while. So yeah, um, so this episode worked. SmackDown, uh, kind of the opposite. It was one of the lowest rated episodes of the year. 1.89 million viewers. Uh, they were down about two percent from last week. And um, yeah, they've been they've been struggling to get over two million viewers, which you know they did all the time before. Yeah, Matt, and it it comes down. It's going to take time with all of this. There, there mm-hmm. needs to be a game plan, Raj. I was thinking about this, just like, like what do they do with this? Because it's been years and years and years of a broken system, and that now it, it's finally really, you know, showing its head. And, it, and all these with the ratings and the and the casual viewers have gone down tremendously and whatnot. And my whole thing is, at the end of the day, the it's always been in, in its pro wrestling. It's entertainment. You, everybody that, that watches it, especially casual people, they want to be entertained, and you got to give them something to sink their teeth into. To and you want good in ring action. Still, it all plays a part and whatnot. But you need compelling storylines over time, and not just one or two. You need it on the the show. You need you need cut and right. whole different things. And you know, it's like one of those things. I was like the Alistair. This is just me being just my creative side. When I see this, I see they put all this time, and I can see that the Paul thing. <clears throat> Paul likes those backstage promos. <clears throat> and like mm-hmm. Alistair Black's been doing those, and he's finally going to have an opponent here coming up at the Extreme Rules. For me, you know, a cool thing would be for me to see that is all this hype for Alistair Black, and then it's a surprise return 
that goes over on Alistair, but then they do something with Alistair where they build him up for a year to do a rematch with that guy. Like, just right. great storylines. It's just random, one random thing of nobody would expect it, but you're doing these other things throughout the year in different ways with talent that go up rather than you're doing this, there's going to be somebody, he's going to win. We know, but like doing long-term plans is what I'm right. getting at, where you actually map stuff out when they used to do it a lot more. And you don't need to have a lot of it, but if you just got some long-term, some short-term, some mid-term storylines, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna bring more people in. They're gonna get more invested, and they're gonna find what they like, and they're gonna want to see that pay off. So, yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction. It's gonna again come down to, and I was talking with Ryan about this last week with letting WWE they they have to get rid of this whole marquee name, not allowing people become marquee names because right. it, it flaws the entire system and. That's what we saw with Becky. Becky got really hot there. We yeah. all see, they've cooled that off tremendously, mm-hmm. and that's what. Why Braun Strowman? I talked about Braun last year was red hot. Yeah, they could have they could have pulled the trigger on him last year and had an instant star again, and they chose to. Comp- if you notice, they cooled him off really quick, and then they'll pick it back up. But, but the damage is done already at that point, and you never quite are able to get yeah. it back. And with yeah, Rusev, he's no longer like larger than life. Like no, he was. Right. And, but they, and they have a system. They know how right. to do this very well, and it fits their business model. And if you just look at it time and time and time again with guys and with myself at times and different, it's and it it makes it really hard to ever get back there. And that was my thing. You got to leave. You got to leave yeah. with what, you, and you got to get away. And then that to me would be the most appealing thing if they got rid of that marquee. If they would say, okay, we're going to make marquee names again, I would want to go back there in a heartbeat because there's no ceiling anymore. You're like, okay, right. let's. all you have to do is just get over. I like that game. Yeah, so. and it's weird because the most popular they've ever been has been when they've had those you know, marquee names, yeah. when they've had the Hogan, the, the Steve Austin. That's always been their popularity. They make more money than ever. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's – um, yeah. I, I don't understand it. I really don't. But yeah. – I'm not. I'm not the owner of the company, and you know they have their reasons. I'm sure for why they decided to go that route. And I just wish. I wish I understood it. <laughs> right. Um, also, this uh, this Monday night on Raw, Ray Mysterio will be returning back to action. Uh, he hasn't been gone that long. He was uh, at, at Money in the Bank pay per view. He suffered an injury in May, um, but yeah, he's back already. He'll be back on Monday. Um, we had interviewed him recently on, on our wrestling podcast, and. He had he had said he'd be coming back in June or July, so here he is. And uh, yeah, did he get stem cell because he's he's a big advocate of the stem cells as well. Because what did he injure? It was um, it, it was a separated left shoulder. I bet you because I've talked to him about this when at different shows, and because um, he was going to go through my stem cell guy here, or at least talk to him, and mm-hmm. he he he's had that's what I think allowed his knees to recover finally, where he had that just rejuvenated himself again. And uh, after having all those operations and, and those that's, uh, you know, I'm going to Columbia here at the end of the month, they were telling me that with the umbilical cord stem cells and how powerful they are, you could come, he goes, you literally feel them the day of. They work right. that, like it, he said, they're that powerful, but usually they say one to three months. He goes, they're people that just takes away all the pain. And so I'm wondering if that's what he'd had done again to bounce right back. So, yeah, yeah, it, it definitely could be. I mean, yeah, I mean the stem cell uh, procedures are very limited here in the U.S. I don't know if he went uh, overseas to do it, but you know, I I can definitely see that. And I've, I've heard of cases with people with MS and stuff using stem cell yeah uh, well, stem cell procedures, and it it, help, it helps them more than anything they've ever had. 
there's the company I'm, that, that's sending me down there that's paying for everything, Bio Accelerator. They mm-hmm. actually, uh, they're doing, they've done like Chael Sonnen. They're doing a lot of the UFC guys. Matt Hughes, I guess, has real a b- bad brain damage. And they're able, right. they're, with these stem cells now, they're able to help regenerate the brain. And yes. to get these guys, in it, which is crazy. Right. Within different things with the concussion syndromes and whatnot. So it's the technology, man, is really advancing quickly. And um, it, it, Ray's right. such a great guy. I love Ray. I think he's a, just a great human being. And from all my experiences around him. So I'm happy that he's coming back. Yeah, and just that longevity, you know, to think he was a, you know, how long he's been a big star and he's still yeah. he's still out there doing his thing. He's a legend. He's one of the, he's one of the, he's, when you talk, talk about the big names in pro wrestling, he's, he's in that conversation. And right. he, he's, and he's his own unique individual, you know. I, I really do believe that with him as far as, especially in, in Mexico, every, I'm just overall worldwide, he, he is a, a top star. Absolutely. And uh, one of the last uh, kind of major things is Impact. Apparently, it looks like they're close to getting a TV deal with Access. I guess they've been in talks for a while. Um, so, I mean, that would obviously be a huge step up from Pursuit. Right now, you know, right now they're doing maybe 10,000 viewers a week on Pursuit. Um, and so, uh, you know, Access would definitely be a big step up from that. That's owned by Mark. Is that owned by Mark Cuban? Yeah. So they air New Japan right now, uh, Women of Wrestling. Uh, they've, they've aired ROH in the past, but yeah, right now it's mostly new Japan and they have like the G one, they aired that last night for, uh, uh, they aired it live. Is okay. Is that now that access TV, is that able, is that on all, um, cable companies as, as far as like basic packages? How does that work? Do you know? It's, it's on a, uh, like direct TV and, and a lot of the outlets, it's on a premium, uh, okay. level. It's not on the basic level. Yeah. See, so that's what I think with pro like wrestling. I think you need that, man. Right. I, I really, I think you need to be on basic cable to really, the audience that you're appealing to overall, that I think you want that to be where people are flipping through the channels and yeah, you have the, the odds are that they can come across it and, and you'll get a percentage of them. Whereas the direct TV one, that's, that's a niche thing. Not everybody has that. And then they have all the channels on top of that to begin with. So what are the odds that somebody's even going to come across that if they're not aware of it? on there if they're just flipping through which is i mean there's still going to be people but yeah. i guess it's a step in the right direction for them right compared to yeah, what they're at yeah for sure i mean pursued uh, there was been weeks where they aired the wrong episode there was one <laughs> there was one episode where they cut to a commercial and never came back like really? 40 minutes still left to go so it's been kind of a disaster so um hopefully it works out for them i'm in the curious with them with impact and uh because who took that over again uh, it so Anthem? it, yeah, Anthem Entertainment. Just curious how that investment is played out and what the goal, like, because they don't have any. Do they have merchandising now and everything over there? Uh, yeah, like t-shirts I, I'm not and sure. stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're not really doing. Um, they're not really doing house shows or anything. They they'll like partner with a lot of independent events to yeah. kind of you know do those. But um, yeah, they're not. Uh, they're not doing much right now. It's. In, I'm just. I'm curious what their books look like with the pro wrestling investment because man, it's. Uh, that's where you make your money is on the back end on a lot of this stuff, and right. whatnot. But and if that's the goal, I'm just always. I remember when I Jeff Jarrett had called me when he was with them, and we were just talking, and that was my question. Does like, do you guys have any of this in place? And it was. I just wanted to hear. Just wanted to see, and, and none of that was. And I just. Right. I don't. I don't think this would be. I have no interest. It's not. It's not what I. I'm not. 
one, I was hurt, but I just wanted, if they had stuff in place, I, at least it could be promising from a standpoint. Because any pro wrestler, you want to make as much money as possible and have the opportunities to, especially when you've done this already. So I'm hoping they can they pull it together because the more places that are doing well, the better it is. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. Well, that about does it for the uh, the news for this week. It's been... Uh, yeah, kind of what we were saying. Uh, not as not as wild of a news week as the week before, but uh, still a lot going on. Yeah, can't always have the great weeks. You got you got some down <laughs> weeks in there. So, anything, right. Raj, you want to go ahead and plug to wrap up? Uh, yeah, just uh, check out wrestlinginc.com. We got uh, interviews with Ric Flair uh, that that are on the site. Uh, Kevin Von Erich is coming up this week. Um, you know, absolute legend in the sport, uh, and just t- tons of other stuff. So, just uh, keep checking out wrestlinginc.com. We appreciate it. Good deal. Well, Raj, thank you very much, guys. And we're going to be right back after these messages. You've heard us talk about Real Good Foods before on the podcast and just how much I love their Real Good pizzas and enchiladas. Now Real Good Foods also has their new poppers, which are a super low-carb cross between a chicken nugget and a jalapeno popper. All of their foods are low-carb, grain-free, gluten-free, and keto-friendly. Most items have as low as 3 to 4 grams of carbs per serving. From their chicken crust pizza, enchiladas, cauliflower crust pizzas, snack bite pizzas, and poppers, you can't go wrong with anything from Real Good Foods. All items are available at realgoodfoods.com, on Amazon, and in retail locations all over the country, with a store locator on their website. Save 10% with discount code RYBACK off of realgoodfoods.com. Real Good Foods. Feed me more. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the big guy, RYBACK. And I want to talk to you about Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service I've been using for years. Meal prep at your doorstep. Fuel Meals at fuelmeals.com has something for everybody. An easy way to eat healthy in this fast-paced life we are all living. Whenever I'm in a pinch, I go to my Fuel Meals and I love it. I love to eat real food, but the fact is I can't cook for every single meal of the day. So Fuel Meals come in handy for me when I need it most, and I think it could help you too. Tell them the big guy sent you and use discount code THEBIGGUY to save 15%. FuelMeals.com. Feed me more. Summer is approaching fast and now is the time to not only get your diet on track, but also stock up on Feed Me More Nutrition. You can save 20% with discount code PODCAST20. Whether you're looking for long-lasting clean energy with our Wake Up Unlimited Energy, available in pink lemonade and our new green apple, melting fat off with Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner, or getting a great night's rest with our powerful all-natural GTS Go to Sleep. Feed Me More Nutrition has you covered with seven different products that contain no artificial colors or sweeteners and use more natural ingredients that work synergistically to give you the results you deserve. Available on FeedMeMore.com and Amazon. Feed Me More. All right, back here. Big thank you to Chris Bell for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. He's a great guy. He got me, him and his brother, Mark. Mark Bell, whom I follow both on on Instagram and social media, got me in uh, contact with the Dr. Bo Hightower, whom uh, I'm going to be having on this show hopefully here soon. 
I got to see him twice this week. And uh, he was here for John Jones for the UFC 239. And uh, one came out here the first day he was here. He came all the way. And I live about 30, 40 minutes away from the Strip. He came all the way up to me up here and worked at me on me and my house. So big thank you to Dr. Bo Hightower on uh, social media, Instagram. He's on YouTube. Give him a follow. Please subscribe. He has, he has some amazing content on there. And he is, um, I went to Iron Addict's gym uh, a couple days ago. And he was able to see me again and work on me. And um, we were able to find some real problem areas I was having in my shoulder, um, in particular in my lat and into that uh, uh, kind of the lat under armpit, kind of that tie-in at the very rear back of my lat and under my armpit and into my tricep even a little bit, um, where this massive amount of scar tissue and had and just just junk had built up um, from all my shoulder injuries over the years, and um, and I told him and I talked about this on social media. It was really, it's been very discouraging for me over the past few years, and even with WWE, there was so much I was doing as this got worse and worse. Um, stretching rehab exercises and nothing was working it would make it worse and i'd have stretch therapists come out to my house uh and people manipulate my shoulder and try to stretch it and work on it and it would get worse every time where it would get inflamed it would be where i would have trouble you know it would be very painful Uh, and i don't take i've said the pain medicine or ibuprofen i don't do any of that so I just deal with it, and, but it, it structurally was off, and I was telling him, I said, it just feels like it's locked up, like I don't have this range of motion, and it's, a lot of it was like it just felt like it was coming from that lat area, and what was happening is there was that stuff going on, which was locking up my scapula, which was then causing issues on the side, my rear, and front of my shoulder, and it didn't matter what I was doing, it wasn't going to get me anywhere, because structurally I had problems where my shoulder was not able to to move the way that it was designed to move. So these problems were just building up and building up and building up and building up. And I'm just so grateful to be able to come in contact with people like this. And he was able to find, after working on me, he goes, let's go over to this barbell over here on the squat rack and I want you to try some things. So we started trying some different things on there and he felt the bar. He goes, oh, that's a spot right there. He could feel the bar shaking grinding up my scar tissue as I was finding spots. He goes, that's a spot. And he goes, see how that's all chunky and rough? And I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, that's not supposed to be. That's just supposed to be smooth muscle. And and then there was another spot where, and I literally doing it and feeling the pops in my, under my armpit and skin of where all this junk had built up and locked up the different areas of the, of the shoulder joint and muscles which were causing all these other complications. And he goes, all you need is a barbell. And uh, he goes, you don't even need me anymore. And uh, so I got home and he goes, just play around on this and find spots on you. He goes, this is going to be your best friend. And sure enough, and I got home and I've been doing it all yesterday. I got to go back out today, going out two, three times a day into my gym. And uh, it's freed up my shoulders so much on so many problems I was having and we're hoping with that and then doing the stem cells over in Columbia at the end of the month that this is this is really now going to allow for full healing. And I already feel, I feel really so much better than I did even just a few days ago with that. So big thank you to Mark and Chris Bell, Chris Bell for coming on this week. 
And again, for me, it's been a pleasure um, to be able to reach out and to talk to these people. And uh, the keys in putting yourself around people that are smarter than you or just know different things than you or just in a different, they just a different area of life. And life is a never-ending game of learning. It's never going to end. It never, and it's, there's so much knowledge out there and so many people and it doesn't matter how much success we've had or where we're at or how much money we have. There's always stuff to be learned. Um, and that's where I think it just comes down to doing what we love, find what we're passionate about because there's billions of people on this planet. We're all going to be passionate about different things and then being good human beings and you with the intention of just being a good human being and helping people and doing what you love. If you make money with business, selling good products, doing good things, providing service, helping people. And with that, when you open yourself up and you just put out a good energy like that, you attract all this good into your life. And there's like no accidents and you just, it's crazy. And trying, trying, trying for three years and realizing I had some bad energy around me in different areas of my life and just, coming across that energy codes book and just kind of reevaluating things and making some changes. And then also for me, and I've talked about this on the show and you guys have, if you've listened from day one, you always heard me say, I didn't want to do interviews because I'm very antisocial at times and it's difficult for me and it it might come off. I don't know how good or bad I am at this. I feel like I'm improving. I'm trying to improve, but it's sometimes in reaching out and asking people to be on the show and then for me trying to figure out the story that I want to try to get out of that and the conversation that I want to have, it's it, it, a little stressful at times because it takes me out of my comfort zone. But I think that's another good lesson by coming out of my comfort zone. It's allowing me to do things I wouldn't normally do and come in contact with people that I maybe normally wouldn't have come in contact with informing and meeting these really good people off of meeting good people, meeting more good people. And, uh, and I just met Stan Efforting here at uh, Iron Addicts Gym, this guy, the Rhino, and uh, just a super intelligent guy. And I could just tell right away talking to him, we're out there. He's super intelligent with training and diet and just one of the legit world's like strongest guys, just a, a badass in the gym. And, you know, you meet these people and come across them and then, you know, you, you just pick their brain and, you know, hopefully you could provide value to them and, and you know, you just keep learning. So thank you to Chris for putting me in contact with Dr. Bo Hightower. And we'll have to get him on the show. Entertaining guy as well. If you like my Instagram, you'll love, you'll love his Instagram and uh, his YouTube videos. Millions of views on there working on celebrities and people, athletes. He works on a lot of the UFC guys. And it's a uh, great dude. Great, great dude. With that, guys, some uh, like to thank sponsors of this show, Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback, before we continue. Um, Blue Chew. You've heard me talk about it. They're, once again, a sponsor of this podcast. We're going to give you guys a great deal. If you go to bluechew.com, you can get your first order for free with promo code Ryback. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew, B-L-U-E, chew, C-H-E-W.com. It is Viagra and Cialis in chewable little tablets. Um, very discreet. You don't deal with uh, doctors. You deal with it online. Everything's uh, private, comes in, in discreet shipping, and... Save yourself the trouble of having to go to the doctor. It can all be done online at bluechew.com. And uh, they've, they've gotten great reviews. They have sent out product. It's from the big guy, two thumbs up. 
and uh, very happy to have them on board. Real Good Foods, realgoodfoods.com. Save 15% with discount code Ryback. They got the cauliflower pizza. They got the keto pizzas, the keto enchiladas, uh, keto poppers. So if you're following a low-carb, a keto-type lifestyle, they got they got tremendous Great tasting food at realgoodfoods.com with pizzas, different sizes. They got their new cauliflower pizza, those things. They sent me out like five or six of those bad boys. They, <laughs> unbelievable. Today's my carb day as well. I'm doing a clean carb day and whatnot, but I was even debating. I was like, gosh, oh, should I have one of those pizzas? They're so good. And uh, so cauliflower, I saw a good meme with that too. If cauliflower could become pizza, we could do anything. <laughs> <laughs> or something along the lines of that. So check out Real Good Foods, guys, on that. Big thank you to betonline.ag. Uh, they're back on the show with that. Uh, Fuel Meals, fuelmeals.com. Save 15% with discount code the big guy. That's my meal prep service. Big thank you to them. And uh, they send custom meals, steak, chicken. They got all the quesadillas and things like that. And I was looking. I don't have my Bet Online documentation. I don't know where that went. I must have threw it away, but betonline.ag for all your booking needs uh, if you guys are into sports betting, and I believe that is, I don't have the discount with that. I'm going to have to, we have a commercial on the show, though, and uh, I apologize, but I do not have that information on me in front of me, and I don't know where it went, so I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, and then Feed Me More Nutrition, guys, available on feedmemore.com and Amazon. You could save 20% with discount code PODCAST20. Uh, your reviews are greatly appreciated for Feed Me More Nutrition. If you can go to Amazon and leave a review, guys, if you can leave a review for this podcast, if you like the show, please share it with one friend. Um, but Feed Me More Nutrition as we continue to grow, um, it really, really does help us on Amazon. We need more reviews. And there's no way to never, you can't buy reviews on there. You can't do it. And I uh, just need our customers to go there that like the products, that love the products, to please just take a couple minutes going on Amazon and, and click one of those five-star reviews and uh, leave, a, leave a comment if you would like. And uh, because it greatly helps me out and feed me more nutrition. Premium all-natural supplements sweetened with stevia with no artificial colors or sweeteners. With that, guys, I got my, as I scroll through here, my top three this week. We got a really interesting top three. The big guy's top three of the week. Top three this week is my wrestlers with the most potential in 2019. Who are those guys, you might be asking? And I'm going to tell you right here, right now. Number three, we're going to go, we're going to, I realized as I did these last couple weeks, I need to go in order from three to one. I don't, I'm not, I wasn't, I had no real particular order the, the, the last couple weeks, but this week I do. So we're going to start with number three this week. Wrestlers with the most potential here in 2019. These are WWE guys <coughs> that I see. Ricochet, I think it comes, comes in at number three. Uh, I like what they are doing with him right now. I think uh, I like his in-ring style. I think, and we talked about it with Raj Giri there a little bit ago, I think if he could uh, increase his intensity even further and uh, continues to get promos and work on character development, which takes time, and in just more situations on TV, I think uh, being a new guy, and they haven't, they haven't done anything to, to hurt him yet, uh, as we've seen with other talent, or pulled the plug on him yet, I think you could you could elevate him 
And uh, I think by working with AJ, it will uh, they can create a compelling storyline. Um, and I'm really interested in seeing what they do with that. So I think he has great potential here for the remainder of 2019. My number two choice, Elias. I've been walking with Elias from day one, guys, if you've heard it. I've, I've, I like the guy. I think he's very entertaining. And I think he's, I don't know, for me personally, when I watch, he reminds me a lot of very Randy Savage in just his, the way he moves and yeah, the way he looks to me. And uh, obviously, he's, I think he's very unique. He's a character, and I believe he has a believable look to him, a believable style, that I think if they were to want to pull the plug on him, I think he's a major star. And again, that's, it again comes down to creative, and if they allow people to do this, I think he has the potential, though, to be one of the big names in pro wrestling if he is allowed to on all ends, not just promos and segments. They need to uh, incre- increase his um, in-ring time and how they even further. And, and by doing that, you do that by winning championships and being in relevant storylines and getting big wins. So that is a guy that I think uh, has potential that has not been ruined and that they could do great things with. Number one, if you've been listening to this show here recently, you know I am a huge fan of Otis from Heavy Machinery. I just sent Daniel Bryan a message this week just saying, I just said, man, he seems like a great guy. And uh, he, uh, very entertaining. He's a big, strong guy. And I think he, he's very believable. And whatnot, and uh, from everything I've heard, just from the guys there, he is well liked, which I think is very important. Also, and uh, not always necessary, but I think it, it, it's always a good thing when the, when the guys like you and, and enjoy being around you, which tells me he's entertaining. Because everybody there, you like to be around entertaining people when you're there all day and you get bored and whatnot. And I think he um, will have the run with heavy machinery and the tag team. And I think there will there. I think there's huge a huge upside potential for Otis if they decide to pull the trigger on him and let him go solo. Um, now, do I does that mean necessarily big time main event star? I don't know, but he could fit somewhere on that card and be very very over, without a shadow of a doubt, and uh, because he is a character. And I look if you just follow him on social media and watch the guy eat, that just the way he talks, he is entertaining. So you take that and you let him be entertaining on TV. I love he just does random things in the ring. I'm a huge fan of that. It was so I, I always enjoyed doing that at times. And if you've seen me at live events and things, and it's uh, I think that's he has all the makings to be a big time star. So that is my top three wrestlers with the most potential here in 2019. My thought of the week this week, guys. Motivational thought of the week. I actually uh, have a quote here in my Forbes thought of the day. Uh, Luck is an accident that happens to the competent. And that was by Albert M. Greenfield. Luck is an accident that happens to the competent. And essentially, you hear people you know, say, oh, he got lucky. The guy, he got lucky. Oftentimes, it, it, it's... Luck comes to those who work extremely hard and prepare 
and have a positive mindset and they are attracting the right energy. It all comes down to energy, I believe, and what we're putting out there and, and how we feel in the work ethic and having that confidence and whatnot. And um, it's really easy to sit back and say, oh, that person's lucky, that person's lucky. Maybe. Maybe they've just worked really, really hard and they deserve it and their minds are in the right place. And when you understand energy and just putting our thoughts and then the people we're around and the conversations we have, things make a little more sense. Not always, not always, but when negative things do happen, we have the ability to how we react to it. And we could take a negative and use it to turn it into a positive. And in something with that, and for me this week, um, kind of moving this over a little, my dog Sophie, as you know, broke her back um, for the fifth time and uh, woke up, carried her downstairs. And I'm very thankful and I, every day that I get to spend with her and because it scares me because I never know with these surgeries and you never know if, you know, I always think the best and hope for the best and she handles it very well now. Um, there's always could, there's always could be risk. There's always risk when you're doing that with little Frenchies and putting them under and with their breathing. And she's handled anesthesia really good, fortunately. But I always wonder now, this is the fifth time, and I one of the things where I've been okay kind of staying home and, and just taking care of my dogs and her and the little guy is is I don't know how long I'll have with her. And it's very unfortunate, and it's crazy that I've gone through my back injuries and my baby, little girl, the sweetest dog I've ever had, is going through all of this with me. I have five bad discs, and she now has her fifth bad disc. And as I've healed, this was the longest she had gone without it happening. I thought maybe the the worst was behind us and uh, woke up and then went to go take her outside uh, shortly after we'd been up for a bit. She was panting, which I just, when she pants, sometimes she has to go to the bathroom because I have to take her out on a leash. I can't let her go out through the doggy door because they'll play and chances are she'll break her back again. And uh, she wouldn't move and uh, her back had unfortunately um, broken again. And she shakes and she trembles and uh, I had to get her ready, drive her across town to the specialty center. And, and it, again, it's very discouraging and on, on many different ends. Um, but like I said, these negative things, I don't understand why that's happening. And I feel bad for her, but she handles it so well. And she gives me strength because I see this little baby dog, how strong she is. And she's breaking her back, rupturing her disc. And, you know, I had my disc degeneration and I had my own issues, but and I see how strong she is. And it, and it motivates me to want to get better, even more to take care of her and to love her because that's what she gives me. But it'd be very easy for me to see that negative thing happen and just get angry and why me, why her life sucks. This bullshit. I got to pay all this money. Fuck this. Fuck that. This is, you know what I mean? But instead using it and I really just be grateful for every day that I've gotten to spend with her and really just think about that. And, and you know, that knowing everything that's happening is she's going to be stronger for this and, it's given me motivation. Now I'm going to be stronger for this. And I'm choosing to look at this in a way that this is a reminder for me to just chill out a little bit longer, let my body get better, stay home, take care of my dogs, be a good doggy daddy. And eventually everything will come together. And that's how I'm going to choose to handle all of this. Because the other way, no good will come of it. And I think, again, it all comes down and it just and keep working hard 
and staying motivated. Um, because if I don't look at it like that and I go the other way with it, then no good will come with that. I will attract more bad things. And, and I, I've, I've gone through it at different points. So bad things happen to all of us. And it's, there's no way to control it. But we can control how we act and react to it and um, prepare, work hard, and tying it all back in with the whole luck thing. And it's grinding day in, day out. And eventually putting that right energy out there and keeping the right frame of mind, um, catch a lucky break eventually. And it happens a lot to people that have that mindset. And, and that is why I've just handling negative things that happen and not letting them consume me and not taking that energy and letting it grow in that direction with that. And when you could do that in the right way, you become lucky a lot more than you're not lucky. And that's a fact. So, and based off things I've seen and, and whatnot, and I could even go back and, you know, even talking about yeah, all those negative articles back when I first left. And I used to always talk about them because they made me so angry because I was so hurt and had to have attorneys take them down. And, but by focusing on them, I kept giving them more energy in the negative way. I could have handled that. And, and then there wasn't nothing necessarily even bad, even though I was, I was letting anger control me with that, but I could have handled it even better and just had the attorney take him down. I could have put out a very positive thing and just left it at that. Instead though, I was like negative, negative things make me angry, causing more negative things to happen because my attention was going in that direction. And I had people around me that was sending me the things and, and feeding into it because that's their frame of mind and they were very negative and you just don't get rid of it. And then I don't, I don't think like that now. So don't let it bother you. And Bad things are going to happen. Negative things are what we perceive to be bad or negative things. We just have, have control over though how we react to it. And because we do, luck will, will find us eventually on that. And with that, guys, I think we're going to wrap up this week's episode. I really, really had a good time this week. I hope you guys did as well. Again, if you're on Ryback TV, uh, subscribe to watch us on YouTube. Uh, we're probably going to shut down, and I'm going to talk to the editor the Patreon page, uh, and we'll just all, all leave the cussing in the show on the regular show. Uh, try not to do it too much. We had Phoenix Marie on for next week, and uh, which I'll have to talk about that. The uh, the video camera gave me more trouble. She got all done up and came in here, and uh, we recorded the whole show. Video camera was working, and the memory card somehow broke again. Had to order more memory cards. I don't know what's going on. Camera's great. Camera's new. The memory cards have, have malfunctioned on me twice now, filming different segments. Happened with Ryan Satin once, and it happened with Phoenix. Lost the whole thing, but we have the audio, so the YouTube with her will still be up. We'll have a still image, which is fine, but I'd prefer when I have people come into the studio to actually have... And we had a good hour and 20-something minute conversation, and it is what it is. The conversation still exists, but I wish we could have... It was great to see her, had it, but hopefully I got more disc. got this week. We got it off. I got it working. So hopefully that won't be an issue as we continue to move forward. If we can go ahead and plug in some classical music there here and go ahead and wrap up this week's show, guys, for all fan mail, P.O. Box 752740, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89136. Wiretap Radio, big thank you to them, Wiretap Radio on Instagram and Twitter, CLNS Media, a wrestling historian on Twitter and Instagram, and the wrestling classic on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Feed Me More Nutrition, available on feedmemore.com and Amazon. Your reviews are appreciated. 20% with discount code PODCAST20. 
fuelmeals.com to save 15% with discount code the big guy cameo.com for all uh, videos shout outs birthday wishes whatever you want cameo.com slash the big guy Ryback is the information for the personal videos book the big guy at yahoo.com for all professional wrestling appearances and bookings we're going to be taking bookings for november and december <coughs> pro wrestling wise yeah to get some independent matches back to get me back in the ring that is the time frame I believe i'll be in ring ready uh to start doing bookings and to hopefully be ready for early 2020 uh for whatever the future will hold on that end on that so and bill barron's showbiz s-h-o-w-b-i-s at aol.com for uh also for appearances and bookings ryback tv youtube.com slash ryback tv please follow us and subscribe and like on there for turn your notifications on constantly got new clips and podcast things uh i might be recording some cheat meals eventually putting those on there and uh having you guys uh suggest in the comments what you want to see me do a cheat meal with next and maybe doing a cool interactive thing with that just for pure sheer enjoyment and entertainment on that end when your catchphrase is feed me more, I feel like you should have some food on your YouTube channel. Wake Up, It's Feeding Time, a motivational book available on Amazon and Audible in paperback, audio, and Kindle formats. And follow me on social media, guys. The Big Guy Ryback22 on Instagram. Feed me more nutrition in conversation with the big guy. That account is now back up and running. Please give us a follow on both those, those Instagram accounts, guys. We've got cool facts and different information always going out informative post on those on social media twitter i'm ryback 22 and at feed me more nutrition on facebook ryback 247 on snapchat thank you guys for listening you've just listened to another episode of conversation with the big guy ryback feed me more with the big guy Ryback. Subscribe, like, rate, comment, 